everyone, welcome to Cool Breeze Over the Mountains, a podcast where we chronologically step through and discuss each film starring Keanu Reeves. My name is Andrew Gormley, and I am one of your hosts. I am joined on this episode, it's a Christmas miracle, by many, many co-hosts. <laughs> <laughs> Look at this podcast. We did this together. Whitney Nelson. That's me. <laughs> the choice to record this episode was an illusion. She already knew what she had to do. <laughs> Lindsay Nelson joins us for this one. It's true. There was no option. And he buries all of his truths inside video games. Joining us for the first time on Cool Breeze, Jamie Albrecht. Hello. Uh, I didn't think I was going to do this an hour ago. And then as we were watching the movie, it's like, uh, I got to get some things out. Choice was an illusion. Uh, I got to yeah. talk about this. Choice is an illusion. You had a no choice. A lot of people have a lot of things to say about this movie. Correct. We are four of them. We are, we are but four of the, those people. Four of the many. Four takes fireworks fired into the internet of Sphere. Yeah. Is it the case with all of you as well? I think, Whitney, you just watched the movie, right? Like, Yeah, like, like it ended half an hour ago. Okay. I have been like, I've been like Neo uh, with his force push avoiding reviews and spoilies, uh, you know, I don't want to take too. I don't want to read anyone else's take <laughs> mm -hmm. on this movie mm -hmm. until I get mine out. Uh, so this is like going to be very this cathartic is, for me. This <laughs> is definitely the first one that we have uh, talked about on any podcast that is so recent, so new. We have not done this before where there's a complete ability to avoid Reviews a complete ability to avoid. I have no idea what the internet thinks of this movie. Yeah, and that's yeah, hard me to neither. do. Yeah. for mm -hmm. most movies. I had the misfortune of uh, <laughs> reading a Jacobin article about uh, the Force Awakens thirty minutes before watching it. Oh, and not being able to fully enjoy it in that moment. So I completely uh, yeah. understand the impulse. I, I barely watch trailers anymore mm -hmm. just to, like, avoid the takesosphere. I get so mad at trailers. I don't know. I mean, you guys all know I see a lot of movies and have been, you know, until recently enjoying being back in the theaters because of literally I've seen the entirety of the movie Sing 2. Just through the trailers, like literally the entire thing. You can just recite it from memory. There is at this not point. a single plot point that they haven't included in some trailer. But it's you're just hearing insane. the song equivalents like a Monsters of Rock commercial. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. So that's well, this is great because I'm excited to get uh, some some opinions about this. That are that are fresh. This is like one of the best Christmas gifts Lana could have given all of us. So I appreciate it. I appreciate it. I gotta like this is like uh, putting on an old shoe. I have to like get back into the groove of this. Uh, so let's let's let me try here, and then we'll get into the show <laughs> proper. I think it's going to be a great one. I want to mention up top. You can find this and all of our other podcasts. At 12and24.com, this might be the first time on Cool Breeze that I've actually said that. That's the numerals 12and24.com. We have a couple podcasts now, which are great. You should check them all out. Uh, you can email us, coolbreezepod at gmail.com, as always. And many of you have for, uh, writing and reviews for The Matrix Resurrections, which we will get to later. Uh, and you can also hit us up on Twitter at coolbreezepod. Uh, another thing that didn't exist as of 
our recording of Bill and Ted Face the Music, uh, mm-hmm. we have a Discord server now. You can join us and chat in real time, 12and24.com slash Discord. Uh, that's in the show notes. You can click, join. There are, uh, I believe in the in the words of uh, Tobias Funke, there are dozens of us. So <laughs> <laughs> It's a great group. We're hanging out. We're talking movies. We're talking about all, all sorts of stuff. Spoiler threads for The Matrix, how we feel in real time. It's great. It's great. Uh, we are live now, which is an interesting situation. Uh, if you are live, please uh, hit the chat up and or whatever. I think we could take call-ins. I'm not going to, but I think we can if you are interested in doing that. And then finally, if you want to be excellent to us, please share the show with your friends, rate and review us on iTunes. Bring uh, That brings more folks into the fray. We game the algorithm, all that good stuff. And as a special ask, Spotify just released their podcast rating system. If you're doing it on the desktop or the mobile app, they have a, like a five-star situation. Uh, statistically, half of you listen to the show that way. <laughs> so just hit that five stars. I see the data. I know where y'all are at. Just hit the five-star button and then move on, and it'll be great. This is our little Keanu cinematic universe. So get more people in here. That's it for the housekeeping. Let's do this thing. Lindsay. Yeah. If you would be so kind, can you tell us why we're here today? Absolutely. We are here today to talk about the film The Matrix Resurrections. I remember this. So deja vu. And yet it's obviously all wrong. Maybe this isn't the story we think it is. They taught you good. Made you believe their world was all you deserved. But some part of you knew that was a lie. Some part of you remembered what was real. It's so easy to forget how much noise the Matrix pumps into your head. Something else makes the same kind of noise. War. Much anticipated, the plot synopsis from Rotten Tomatoes is to find out if his reality is a physical or mental construction, Mr. Anderson, a.k.a. Neo, will have to choose to follow the White Rabbit once more. If he's learned anything, it's that choice, while an illusion, is still the only way out of or into the Matrix. Neo already knows what he has to do, but what he doesn't yet know is that the Matrix is stronger, more secure, and far more dangerous than ever before. So this movie was written by Lana Wachowski, David Mitchell, and Alexander Heyman. As always, my pronunciation is terrible. Apologies to everybody if I ever... (laughs) Um, The movie was directed by Lana Wachowski, one half of the Wachowski duo, um, starring alongside Keanu in this movie, are some very familiar faces and lots of new ones. Carrie Ann Moss, Yala Abdul-Mateen, the second, Jonathan Groff, Jessica Henwick, Neil Patrick Harris, Jada Pinkett Smith, and Priyanka Chopra Jones. Jonas. Jonas? Oh, that's right. She married a Jonas brother. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways. Um, Whitney, um, I'm almost afraid to ask, as we were talking about, we've avoided any input, but what do the critics and the people have to say? So, on Rotten Tomatoes, we have a critical score of 65% and an audience score of 63%. So we're actually a smidge higher in the critical reception than the audience reception. For a little perspective, the first Matrix is 88 and 85%. 
Reloaded is 73 and 72%. And Revolutions is 35 and 60%. Whoa. <laughs> I did not know that the critics hated Revolutions that much. Yeah. Um, yeah, Revolutions <laughs> was a bad movie. Oh, I agree. <laughs> I, I am not a fan of Revolutions. I just did not know it was that panned. Yeah, yeah we, we've covered it previously, so I don't need to go back into it. But This is a bounce back then. This is a bounce back. This is a bounce back. This puts puts it between Reloaded and Revolutions um, and closer to Reloaded as far as how people feel about it. Mm. We have a critic quote from Peter Travers of the Denver Post who says, It's been 18 years between Matrix sequels, but beneath the action chaos of warring computer codes are Keanu Reeves' as Neo and Carrie Ann Moss's Trinity proving that they're still romantic icons of timeless cool in a movie that's a stone-cold trip. Joe Morgenstern, on the other hand, of the Wall Street <laughs> Journal, says, The Matrix Resurrections is a recycling dump of murky effects, indifferent action, and a crazily cluttered, relentlessly repetitive narrative. It's Groundhog Day in cyberpunk. Huh. Which is coming across as... An insult, but Groundhog Day. I was Day just gonna say. Great. I was just thinking the same thing. Groundhog Day and cyberpunk isn't inherently a bad thing. No, yeah, if you I if that's how you that sold me a movie, I would be like, yes, I'm in. <laughs> um, so on Rotten Tomatoes, user David O gave it four out of five stars and said it took me a while before I was fully understanding what was happening, but despite that, I enjoyed it from start to finish. Definitely referential in a good way, but it really picks up in the latter half of the movie when it goes into newer, unknown territory. Okay. Rotten Tomatoes user Arnold, on the other hand, <laughs> gives it 0.5 out of 5 stars and says, Horrible movie. Anyone who liked the original three movies will be greatly disappointed in this movie. It is almost as if they made a joke out of the original three. Plus, the original three characters in the movie in the movie appear like they try hard to speed up the action scenes just to compensate for their inability to perform the martial arts, just like they do in the new Steven Seagal movies. Ooh, how dare. Yeah, seriously. Have they never seen Keanu Reeves in a movie? <laughs> Highly recommend we'll, we'll you don't go there. see this movie is the last <laughs> thing that Arnold wants you to know. <laughs> It is a funny, it's funny to highly recommend not, not, going. not to see it. <laughs> I highly recommend it's doing the double anything negative else. Of, yeah. <laughs> okay. That was a little bit more in depth than we normally go in our critical and, and audience or uh, reception, because this is like a very uh, divisive film. It's Apparently. frustrating. I think it's, I think purposefully so though, if I, if, I mean, we're going to get to it like, like in like right two seconds, but like <laughs> that is, I don't know anybody, even our, even among our listeners, which are, we'll get to, I just like broke that out into another section of the notes because so many people wrote in with their thoughts and they're all very good, but I didn't want to put them up top because I think it'll probably step on a lot of what we have to say. Mm-hmm. But even among our listeners, there are people that really, really liked it. And then we're like, I could not like stay awake for this thing. And I'm like, that is so fascinating to me. Yeah. Not staying awake for it is not the problem that I would have, yeah. I think, you know. <laughs> okay. So I'm thinking that 
Whitney, you have you've just seen it. You I have and Jamie seen have it. both just watched it. You're the yes. you're the freshest here. Yes. So maybe the two of you, you know, you can take turns or one at a time, whatever. Did the Matrix Resurrections work for you? Yes. Okay. It worked for me. Right. Um I there are definitely some things that did not work, elements that did not work. Overall, I thought that the story was very, very, very well laid out. I liked the the I liked the fact that they, in order to deal with the time difference and the fact that it's such a cultural icon, they turned the camp knob up a bit. Yes. And I yeah. think that's the only way to appropriately handle the cultural awareness of the Matrix movies and have a reboot come so much later. I think the self-referential and the meta on like multiple different levels worked very, very well for me. Yeah. I think the whole I was also making a fan. the Matrix a cultural thing that happened in the world of the Matrix and the way that they talked about it and the fact that there was a whole scene about bullet time. Yeah. And they called it bullet time in the movie. <laughs> and I think the whole, like, there's multiple takeaways from the Matrix stories in general. All of them were very, very blatantly reiterated in this mm -hmm. as sort of self-referential stuff. And I think that it really worked to show, to me, it really... It really showed that Lana and everyone writing it really had an idea of where they were and where they've come. And that's actually something that I have talked about on this podcast previously when we were speculating about mm -hmm. this movie, is that I think that Lana Wachowski is very aware of where the Matrix fits into the outside world how she has changed since the movies have come out, how the world has changed since the movies have come out. There's a lot of sort of black mirror type observations, but in a very sort of snide and dry way. Like there, it's sort of um, like a ascending up of black mirror culture God, in the matrix. Every scene mm -hmm. in the video game company. Yes. Every scene yes. in the video game yes. company oh is incredible. <laughs> I loved the way they did the loops, the way that they showed the repeating nature of things and the, and the, the treadmill and the, the programming loop that he's in. I mm -hmm. think that they orchestrated that extremely well. Um, I think that overall story wise, Jamie and I were talking about this. Not everyone um, would care about stuff like the strawberries. And and this is something, a point that Jamie has that I'll let him talk about. But mm -hmm. I very much enjoyed a lot of the world building of yes. the world now. Mm -hmm. um, after 60 years have passed. I do think that some of the personification of the robots took too much from new Star Wars movies and that this some of the robot stuff was very cutesy. <laughs> yeah. Um, however, I thought that the, what did they call them? The... Sentience? The, the sharper images. <laughs> <laughs> the executive oh, the, the, the projected, the programs doing the, like, particle yeah, projection. The, the, they called them exo... Yeah. 
something. I don't remember what they called it. What Morpheus was, essentially? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. How they get, because now there's a differentiation, it's not just humans versus robots. It is now us versus them in a whole different way. And robots and programs have joined the resistance. Mm -hmm. And I love the way that they visualized and made the, the AI come to life and be able to interact with the world, but still be distinctly programs. I thought the way that they visualized it, I thought that the idea of it was really great. Um, I think that it kept it, I, I very I just really enjoyed those. I think that the visually like turning it into more of like a hologram would have been a bad idea. Keeping them very sort of like bits and bytes of data, even in the visual projection, really made sense. But the fact that they were like able to shake somebody's hand or pick up a strawberry or do whatever, I, I just really enjoyed yeah. those. I think so overall, story wise, it really, really worked for me. Um, I think Keanu did a very good job with the anxiety part yes. of the movie. The first 45 yes, minutes or so. I have so, some definite I thoughts think, about that. <laughs> I think that he ran away with the acting when it was the the looping, repeating anxiety. Is this real? Is it not? You know, that, that part of the movie, I think his acting was superb. You know what it reminded me of? Hmm. And this is going to be a weird poll. Uh, have any of you seen Southland Tales? I have not. No, uh, I have not. So The Rock in Southland Tales, as it's Richard Stanley's follow up to Donnie Darko. It is a movie Ooh. that is less than the sum of its parts. <laughs> but like seeing The Rock or at like 2001 era, The Rock, when he still had hair, like in a weird anxiety spiral for like 50 percent of the movie very much reminded me of Keanu's performance here interesting so, yeah okay. very because I would not really think The Rock would be able to pull that off as well but this I'm very was curious rock. this was yeah, that's uh, true. rundown era rock before he was fully com- uh, consumed by image management mm-hmm. so Keanu his performance in the first half hour 45 minutes when we're dealing with him completely in the matrix um, I thought was incredible acting. And I thought it was very, anyone who has dealt with any sort of anxiety, I think it really resonates his performance. I didn't like once he was out of the matrix fully, I just feel like for him being the one, there was too much catching him up over the last 60 years and, and him being too old and him not remembering how to do things. And like, there was too much leading Neo, the one, the chosen one through the world in, in the like, you know, last two thirds of the movie. Um, And I felt like Keanu didn't carry it with enough charisma to make him still feel like the one even if he doesn't know what's going on as much. There was just too much hand-holding, and I don't feel like Keanu had the gravitas in that section of the movie. I think Carrie Ann Moss did have the gravitas. Yes. Um, And I absolutely loved the sort of sexy 70s camp Morpheus. Um, (laughs) He was so good. 
He was so good. And I loved his sort of mid-century modern vibe and his Aesthetic. clothes yeah. and his, the whole thing. Um, I very much liked the set dressing and the calls to all three previous movies and yeah. using that as a touch point for him as he's trying to figure out whether or not this is he's crazy. Um, I very much liked all that set dressing. But I, am, I was torn, very torn on Jonathan Groff. Because I love Jonathan Groff. I love him so <laughs> much. I love him in the um, the Netflix series. Mindhunter? Yeah, Mindhunter. Um, mm-hmm. I love him in Mindhunter. Uh, I love him in Broadway stuff that I've seen him do. Um, you know, he's great in the, <laughs> the Frozen movies. Um, <laughs> what, what is what range what yeah. range this man has Mindhunter to the Frozen movies is a range yeah. for sure <laughs> I think that he didn't necessarily do a great Hugo Weaving I think that the initial introduction to him as Agent Smith felt clunky I think that by the time that he's fighting Keanu in the warehouse he's kind of stepped into his own thing and I very much enjoyed Agent Smith from the fight in the warehouse on. I will argue that Hugo Weaving as Agent Smith is the iconic performance of the three previous Matrix movies. Yeah. Yeah. I I definitely think so. I've And the frustrating thing for me was every time every time Jonathan Groff was attempting to ape those bits, I was thinking like Man, Hugo Weaving's a really good actor, huh? <laughs> yeah, no. I, I really definitely like felt Hugo Weaving. The absence I agree. of and Hugo I, Weaving. And I do think those, like, when he's saying lines from mm-hmm. the previous movies and he's not Hugo Weaving, but he's saying them like Hugo Weaving, I didn't really like that part so much. I definitely warmed up to him by the warehouse fight. And I think by the the end when he's, like, talking to... The architect? Is that what he is? The analyst. The analyst analyst in this, yeah. The analyst. By the time that they're he's like talking with the analyst, I think he's stepped into into his own again with the camp dial turned up just slightly. Mm -hmm. I think that he personifies the role in a way that is more his own and less Hugo Weavings. And I Mm -hmm. think that that's when I really started to enjoy him. Neil Patrick Harris is incredible from start to finish every Mm -hmm. single second that Neil Patrick Harris is in. And honestly, I, first of all, I had no idea. Somehow I missed that in the casting stuff where I saw it and it didn't sink in because I was shocked when I saw him on screen. Same. I completely had no idea he was in this movie. (laughs) And then my gut reaction was that, he was not a good fit for this movie, just casting-wise. When I saw him, I was like, wait, he's in this movie? That's weird. Mm-hmm. However, by the end, he is he is one of these, like Hugo Weaving in the first three, yes. he is a standout performance in this that I feel yeah. like is is a nucleus that the whole movie pivots it's around. It's him, and it's Carrie Ann Moss, and it's Jada Pinkett Smith. Yes. Mm-hmm. I got, shout out to Jessica Henwick. Bugs as well. Yes, oh Bugs was great. I was just about to get into that. Magnetic. Jessica Henwick is so charismatic. She is so just, just an incredible presence on the screen. And everything that she did was a nice, considering that there was Morpheus was camp. Neil Patrick Harris was camp. 
a lot yeah. of the Neo stuff was camp. All the Agent Smith stuff was camp. There was a lot of stuff that was made just a little bit wackier and more self-aware. I think that she did a very understated, grounded performance in this movie that made it work. That made it work, period. I think that without her... she... Go ahead. uh, Just she not only... She had a very emotionally grounded performance that was really understated, but also had that coolness that, like, a lot of them had in the first one. That, like, oh my gosh, I want to be her or date her, I can't decide sort of vibe. Like yes. One or the other. Yeah, or both somehow. I don't know. But, like, <laughs> um, I definitely agree. I think that obviously you're going to lose some of that cool with your cast being either all new people or people who've aged 20 years mm-hmm. in the meantime. Um, I think that trying to make Neo and Carrie Ann Moss as cool as they were in the first Matrix would have been a mistake. I do think that there's some cool, and obviously Carrie Ann Moss is always cool. Mm -hmm. Um, I think that... Unbelievable. There was too much bumbling with Keanu for me, and I think that this is in juxtaposition to the John Wick movies where he is just Mm -hmm. so cool. Um, Well, and he's a force of nature in those movies. Yes. Um, I, I really feel like he was holding the story back in this one from when he leaves the Matrix on, um, not because of his performance necessarily, but just because of how the story was told. I definitely think this was Lana recentering women and giving them their own agency, um, Mm -hmm. in a world that previously had been male dominated. Um, I think that this is definitely a catharsis for Trinity fans and Carrie yes. Ann Moss fans. Yes, I have a, a lot to say about that. <laughs> it, it's not Keanu that saves the day in the end. And he does some day saving, but he does not save the day. It's <laughs> Carrie Ann Moss. He's part of one of the coolest yeah. heists I've ever seen on film. <laughs> yeah, and he contributed to the day. For sure. Like I believe they call that kidnapping. <laughs> no, no, no. It's different. It's different I, when they want to be saved. Yeah, it's a person heist. I did <laughs> you know, I love Take Charles Lindbergh's kid. I loved the person heist idea. It's great. I thought that was so cool and so it reminiscent of the early Matrix stuff of, like, mm-hmm. these are ideas we've never seen before. Well, that's... Yeah. Give them a way to do the whole pod choice thing in a different way, because we've seen that multiple times now. We even saw it again at the beginning of this movie. Absolutely. But to do a different version of that, which I thought was a very good idea. Uh, I thought the the people heist part was great. I did not like the ending 30 minutes being Fast and the Furious movies. <laughs> So uh, if I can. Yeah, jump in here. Yeah, jump in. So I I think that's. I called the movie frustrating up at the top, and that's mostly because, like Whitney had said, I loved all of the like background world building stuff. Like I loved Io infinitely more than I ever cared about Zion. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I, lo- I loved the the conflict with Niobe and Bugs uh, being about like uh, 
survival versus adaptation and how like free like freeing everybody versus making a better life for the people who are already free like yeah. like I said like Whitney had said the strawberry is important I love sci-fi's obsession with strawberries it's like the fruit that we use as an example mm-hmm. of like what makes humanity nice <laughs> and also it was it was a touch of a touch of utopia in a series that has not had much of that. It's one of the mm-hmm. things that I really loved about the like human machine alliance stuff. Yeah. Is like man, maybe everything will be okay. Mm-hmm. There there are some robots that were like jarred out by the or like brought out by the sacrifice of Trinity and Neo. And I feel like that's a <laughs> That's a model for a a happier ending to the Matrix films than I guess we had with Revolutions. Mm-hmm. But one of the things, like I I know that people love the Matrix movies for a variety of different reasons. It's different person to person. But when I think about the Matrix, I think about action the likes of which i have never seen before and the action in this movie is adequate (laughs) and that's a bummer yeah yeah Yeah. the first matrix movie literally chase changed hollywood period entertainment it it changed the way that you could make a movie and while i it's hard to follow that up it's one of the problems with because like i've showed people classic movies that groundbreakingly invented things like mm-hmm. you know it's kind of a joke almost at this point how much citizen kane is yeah. overrated it's not overrated if you've never seen anything like that before if you've seen almost a hundred years of movies since then that have since, all taken yeah. cues from that then it feels boring it's, i was thinking uh, about what it would be like in 1933 seeing cab calloway perform and like yeah <laughs> And so if you've had one of those movies that redefined what you could do in a movie, it's like impossible or very hard, which they do talk about, again, in the very great meta uh, game development company scenes <laughs> about yeah. how do you do that again? Yeah. How do you the the writer's room? How do you yeah. remake the Matrix as so part of the remake of the Matrix? unpleasant. It was so We're incredible. Flip our mind so- switch, man. <laughs> it's like, oh, but I, I feel, yeah, it, it's, it's missing in, in the words of 30 rock. It's missing that third heat that, <laughs> that, uh, when Wuping, the fight choreographer for the original three matrixes, and you could make a, you could make an easy, uh, case for him being the best fight choreographer of all time yeah mm-hmm. like uh drunken master 2 legend of or, or legend of drunken master in the u.s is one of the best martial arts movies of all time and he's the he's one of the reasons behind that and he's one of the reasons why why the well, specifically the first matrix is one of the best action movies of all time the fights in that movie are so good. They have such emotional stakes. Mm-hmm. 
the the fight between Agent Smith and Morpheus in that movie. Oh, the yeah. emotional stakes of that fight mm-hmm. are and and this this is what I I was unfortunately saying about like there is no equivalent in this movie of that final fight between Neo and Agent Smith. And it needs right. it. Mm-hmm. And they tried, but they did not get there. Well, well but, but yeah. that's the thing. It's like it's it's weightless. When you're when you're ending major battle and they they t- tried to tie in, you know, with the Trinity and whatever. But their final battle is a zombie horde. Zombies and helicopters. And then machine guns and helicopters. And it's all just... It's faceless. Zombies. Or it's Fast and Furious. But it's... It's all Fast 8. It's entirely faceless. And that's the problem. Yes. Mm -hmm. There is not a... A more emotional weight to Mm -hmm. the end fight. The big... No, there's... Way more tension in the scene where they're having Trinity decide and then they get piled exactly. under by agents and, yeah. uh, and then like they explode them off of them. That had way more of a climax mm-hmm. than anything that happened like after that. I I agree with I agree with that, but I also think that part of it is probably intentional. Like uh, see, I I can't I can't cotton to that. Well there's I mean the whole movie is about I mean, to me, it's like the whole movie is a subversion, right? And there is something to be said that throughout this entire movie, Keanu never holds a gun. We never see Neo holding or using a gun. All he's but using we do is this see weird do force martial, push. We do yeah. see him do martial arts, and he doesn't do it as compellingly as we know that he can in the John Wick movies. Yeah, it's true. The the third of which was released two years ago, so it's not like he, and the it's not an age thing. Exactly. They, they, it's not the Steven Seagal thing yeah. of his joints just <laughs> don't work. The same. Yeah, not that Steven Seagal. Steven Seagal movies ever had anything to do with him being good at martial arts don't get me wrong (laughs) right yeah you watch hard to kill it is a lot of camera work and stuntmen throwing themselves on their backs yeah but it's just there's a we we know keanu at this age can do it yes but it is not in this movie and i'm not saying that it has to i don't know i just didn't find it work as an action movie yeah i and yeah, that, i i agree with both of you i i but mm-hmm. i do i also do think it was because clearly lana knows what keanu is capable of doing right mm-hmm. like chat I, I, I mean i hope i don't spoil some trivia here but i as soon as he came on screen i, I was i like gasped like chad stahelski mm-hmm. is in this movie Yes. And and apparently helped out with some of the choreography. And that bums me out because it should be better. (laughs) Yeah, it's I I think, Jamie, I I mean, I don't want to put words in your mouth. My my thought was I I wished that that the camera was just pulled out a little bit more. Well, (laughs) all not even that. It's just like there was a. There was a call of duty ness to like the gunfighting and martial arts and stuff like yeah. In this movie. And like a lot of people standing still a lot like there there was not the the kinetic motion or like. I got God, it's hard to explain, but like 
it definitely I think kinetic yeah is the right word for this there's definitely an a a flow yeah a movement that this this was very static compared to the previous movies if you think the i I, i'm reminded of we had that scene in the not even really like the warehouse whatever the storage area in this Mm -hmm. movie Mm -hmm. and i compare that to because it's it's essentially uh, orchestrated by the same character, the the Merovingian, when we fought all of the supernatural creatures in his manner in Reloaded, yeah. I was yeah. like, that scene kicked all of the asses. There were yeah. Yeah, exactly. no stakes for that in the in Reloaded because the dude could fly, he could control the Matrix, he could do whatever mm-hmm. he wanted. And yet, I was like, <laughs> that's a very entertaining fight scene. <laughs> well, and and that's the thing is like I I didn't I didn't get a feel for the for the crew in any of that stuff. I didn't get a, like, in my opinion, we know the stakes. We know how overwhelming the, Mm -hmm. the matrix and the, the agents and all of that can be. We, we get the horde thing. And if you get caught, it is potentially fatal, but it's not potentially fatal. Everyone who gets caught by the horde ends up fine. Well, but what I'm saying is, you don't need to tell us about the overwhelming mm-hmm. hordeness of the Matrix if you want to subvert the previous action movies and its status as cinema changing action movies. There don't need to be hordes of soldiers with machine guns shooting at people. You can take away that element mm-hmm. and have it subvert more than having an action element that doesn't live up to its predecessors. Yeah. I think if I think if the reason that it didn't hold up was because Lana Wachowski was trying to subvert the original Matrix movies and and where they were with, you know, genre changing martial arts, don't have 50 guys with machine guns shooting yeah. at the heroes. You or, can do it in a totally different way. Or like focus in on the on the motorcycle, like focus in on a a really good, like a Matrix reloaded level chase. Yeah. Set piece. Yeah. Teach Neil Patrick Harris how to do Kung Fu. Hugo Weaving was in his 40s when he did he the first Matrix. Magic and dancing. Yeah. There's no way that Neil you Patrick get Harris him to come, would not yeah. get the hang of martial arts. <laughs> mm-hmm. At least for a couple He's of scenes, you could get him. Of his yeah. physicality. Yeah, Hugo Weaving wasn't a martial artist in the first in the first Matrix movie, yeah. but they built the choreography around him. Yeah, yeah, that's basically where I'm at, and and also I agree with Whitney in that the the ending kind of wasn't an ending, mm-hmm. and it's. The ending of the first Matrix movie is a clear mission statement. There was not a clear mission statement at the end of this one. I don't know what they're going on to do. If if any, well, yeah, if anything, I don't know. Yeah, exactly. At least it seems like Lana's swan song, at least. I don't yeah, know. Yeah, but, but that's the thing at the, at the end of the first Matrix is like, I'm going to wake you all up and then I fly away. Yeah. Now, the end of the first Matrix was great in that it could have just been that 
and it exactly. would have always stood well, but it definitely had space to tell more story. It was a very good ending in that it wasn't like totally dependent on sequels, but uh, was, yeah, made them possible. But I agree. It was excellent, excellent ending in the first movie. I honestly think that this movie could have ended with Trinity making the choice mm-hmm. and them clasping hands and, then and force pushing everybody away from them. And then it's done. I think that more so than the 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 zombie stuff that follows immediately into Fate of the Furious. And yeah. then oh, I did like the the sort of Trinity survivor mm-hmm. punching Neil Patrick Harris in the face. It was cathartic, but it, it was cathartic, but I don't think it told any story. Yeah. And yeah. I don't think it needed to be there. I did enjoy watching it. Um, I thought Neil Patrick Harris was very funny in that ending scene. And I liked Ow. seeing, I liked, it was nice as a fan to see Trinity and Neo in mm-hmm. coats and glasses together being cool and like in love. Well, and it's the thing that I appreciated about the, the, this movie's take on the mythology of the Matrix was that it was never just about Neo. Yeah. It was always about Trinity and Neo, the two of them together. She is yeah. the one. He is oh. the one. <laughs> yeah, exactly. What, well, I think what they the are whole, together is. And this is not just subtext. This is actual text in the movie. Mm-hmm. It's more than just the binary. Yeah. Also, mm-hmm. it's the people around them. It's the world that they're saving. It's all of that stuff. And I think that the, you know, from a. Pers- from a, a bunch of different perspectives, the the text of the movie of it's more than just the binary. It's not one thing or the other. And keeping people caught in the idea that it is, is part of what is making Neil Patrick Harris's version of The Matrix work. It's echoing yeah. the conflict that they're having in Io about, like, do we free everybody or do we try and make a good life for the people who we already have here? Because we can't really do both or we don't feel like we can do both. Um, and this, how he's making his better version of the Matrix work is keeping people between like anxiety and desire and making them feel like it's a binary choice is how he keeps it like. And also know. the movie explicitly saying that like Zion didn't last. Yes, the endless, Zion was the not sustainable. War, it's like <laughs> like, again, I I very much agree that there is a. There is a meta commentary in there and that could be expanded on but also the action shouldn't have to suffer for that meta commentary it it can't be a like we did this action bad on purpose as a joke yeah (laughs) i I, yeah uh, i don't think that it's that i don't think that it's that i i think i know what you're saying the weight of the title of this film carries so much baggage Mm -hmm. with it in terms of what we have seen yeah presented that it was and the action has that that weightless marvel quality to it yeah and that that frustrates me because it didn't need to be in there yes exactly you can you can make the movie a different way without that action that doesn't have the weight um i do have just one more thing before we wrap up the Whitney Jamie thoughts section of this (laughs) podcast. Um, It's been great. I love it so far. There is, well, I felt like the cinematography left something to be desired Mm -hmm. in a lot of this movie. The Mm. lighting. The lighting was very good. Was out of this world good. 
the highlights, the very high key highlights in everybody's eyes in this movie were yeah. incredible. Um, although I do feel like all the actors had a hard time with it, keeping their eyes open, because at least twice I saw actors eyes watering mm-hmm. because they were keeping their <laughs> eyes open with these bright, bright lights shining in them. Yeah. But the ref- the those highlights in the eyes was really astounding. And then when Keanu Reeves is going through his anxiety attack, what is real part of the movie in Neil Patrick Harris's office, there's a very, very barely perceptible, so subtle sort of CCTV flickering or like pulsating of the light Mm -hmm. that is almost imperceptible, but does such a good job of making it feel like this is not reality. Mm -hmm. Like this is, computer generated and it's starting to break down because of his awareness it is barely perceptible but it is so artfully done and also all those bits where they're they're shooting you know patrick harris in a different frame rate than everything else yes. like i i think they did some interesting stuff with the lighting and with some of that frame rate stuff i did very much like and i don't think they did it optimally but i did like the different bullet times interacting with one another like you have regular speed, you have bullet time speed, and then you have outside of bullet time speed. And like when Neil Patrick Harris is thrown over the bar. Um, yes. And it's still in bullet time, but it's a different bullet time than all of the major crowd around. I thought some of that stuff was interesting. I don't think that that the I don't think it was groundbreaking. Um, I think it's stuff that I've seen before, but I do think some of it was used to really good effect in Mm -hmm. this movie. Yeah. There were a number of small... So I I watched this movie twice. I've seen it twice. And the second time, I picked up on more of the cool, tiny stuff, like you were talking about just then, Whitney. Like, on the train, for instance, if, like, you look at the windows of the train, you'll see Matrix code falling in the windows. Yeah, It's subtle. They don't, like call it out but it is there Mm -hmm. and then when the two of them in this case thomas and tiffany (laughs) are (laughs) in the diner every time it cuts to the two shot of them from like 180 degrees and you could see out the window the people that pass by are on a loop it's always the same people that pass by oh yeah it's just just cool little stuff that they do i'm sure there's like a thousand more of those in the movie almost every reflection in water had yeah. stuff in it. So like that's yeah. and yes. they made a point with both bugs and the like new Morpheus that like looking at condensation on glass was kind of the thing that really started catching them. Yeah. You know, but like Pretty every neat. reflection in water basically had like matrix code or or weird stuff in it that I thought was great. I did also like I think that there's no better way to have addressed within the movie about the movie <laughs> And on the like three different meta levels, the sort of incel culture and the red pill, blue pill stuff. Okay, that's yes, I was going <laughs> and, and Trinity's husband being Chad. And now I know his name is Chad in real life, but yeah, that's Chad. They could have named the husband. Anything. Right, people are usually named <laughs> after themselves him, in movies. Naming him Chad yes. doesn't. D- MPH actually calls him handsome Chad, doesn't he? Yeah. It's pretty, yeah. Yeah, yeah there's some very pointed hands off my metaphor incels 
commentary. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but I don't think it goes too far. No. I think that it is in there and it is noted. And I think I love the idea. I think the most revolutionary thing that this movie has that that keeps it in in pace with the first three movies is the meta-ness of it, uh, is the fact that they're talking about making the movie while they're making the movie. And they're talking about the awareness of the impact of the movie. They're going to make it with or without a movie. you. The, the, the way that they spoke directly to fans, to people who have taken the IP and done politically despicable things to it, to the, like, impact that the original Matrixes have had. Like, the way that they were speaking directly to all of those things while still telling a sci-fi story was genuinely incredible. And it was very funny at times, and it was... Being able to keep that suspension of disbelief and a character in between two worlds while you're constantly breaking the fourth wall by talking about the movie existing and being aware that it exists. I've never seen anything like that before. And I do think that that is something that while I don't think it was as good an action movie as any of the first three, I think story wise, it was far better than three and I liked it better than two, even. Because yeah, I think story-wise, it like was it, better. It told the story in the best way since the first Matrix movie. Yeah. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And now we can move on to Lindsay and Andrew. Lindsay! Okay, so I agree with a lot of what um, Whitney and Jamie have talked about. The things that really worked for me are the beginning part, uh, the meta, the like three, four layers deep of meta. Um, I liked, and the love story really worked for me because one of the problems that I had with the trilogy is that in the first movie, Carrie Ann Moss and Keanu Reeves have incredible chemistry. And they feel like equals, even though there's a little bit of thing about like, you're the one and the Oracle told me I would love the one, you know, they, mm-hmm. it didn't feel like this huge power disparity or anything like that. And she felt like her own person. Yeah. She does not feel gets, like her own person at all. In, yeah. In either of the, she just gets reduced to like the typical love interest role in a story. Like she does not have the sense of personality. They don't have the chemistry in the other ones. Mm-hmm. I like the idea that the, that the interpersonal relationships are the core of, of all of this, that like the people in relation to each other is what makes the like events possible, not like a mystical oneness chosenness. And their chemistry was great in this. It felt very emotionally grounded. All of the like, longing and regret and their conversations and this undeniable connection that they had all really worked and I liked it a lot. That scene where they're sitting at the coffee shop having a conversation, you know, and she's talking about... (laughs) You know, there's a lot of you in the in in the protagonist, right? Mm-hmm. And then she's talking about Trinity, and like the way she she acted that scene where she talks about getting this like weird sense, and she never even really says like she reminded me of me exactly. Like she talks about you know, and then she 
said she looks like me, you know, and then she talked to her husband about it. And when he laughed about it, her describing that scene where like she laughed and made it a joke, too. But inside she wanted to like kick him like that. It was just it was so good. All of that was really good. I do think Keanu's acting barely concealed, like barely simmering rage. (laughs) Well, that's the thing is she was very like uh, tightly wound in a good way in the whole movie. There was a tension and a just under the surface like repression of anger of despair of hope of all of that she had carrie ann moss managed to keep all of that like right under the surface the whole movie throughout the entire thing really in a way that i think like a lot of women would relate to (laughs) this idea that to fit into society women are constant and i mean lots of people lots of different groups are told to edit themselves in a lot of ways to like make yourself smaller to fit in better and women in particular have a lot of societal stuff that they're and she just with making it feel personal not making it feel generic like it just that whole scene was great that whole scene was amazing with both of them um and all of his stuff at the beginning. I loved the meta stuff. I loved Lana taking us through her thought process on like, you know, they're going to make it without you anyways. This story was definitive to both your career and like had a big impact on you as a person. And like, how do you go back and make the matrix again? That was a movie that blew had our a, minds. had an impact on, on so many people that that was yeah, also the, the conversation about bits. how we need to tell new stories and not have reboots and mm. remakes and regenerations and that whole thing that person was like, we've had enough regurgitating old stories and yet this is the fourth in a series. <laughs> yeah. Just all of it. It's so good. And I and I think that was some of it of saying, like, we're not going to do the same thing because we can't do the same thing. We can't make Matrix 1 again. So we're going to have to tell a different kind of story. And I liked that. I liked that she just addressed it head on like that. And I am also sorry, too, Lana, that you didn't get to keep making the Jupiter movies. I wanted to see the rest of those. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Or another Speed Racer movie. Speed yeah, racer. exactly. Um, Speed but, Racer is fucking great. <laughs> it is really good. It's such an underrated movie. I mean, except for the the people who think it's great. Yeah. That's one of the ones that I'm really hoping is going to come out on 4K eventually, because I can imagine that the the HDR on that is going to be I'm eye searing. <laughs> yeah, we're on the same page. Yeah, with that on one. the same yeah. page. But I think in a lot of ways, this is a very contemporary movie, which is mm-hmm. where I think some people's problems with it come in. Because, first of all, after having two years now of the plague, like the repeating trapped in unreality stuff, it's mm-hmm. very close to. Home. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, there's definitely an element of the rat race and the like the treadmill that you're on part resonated in a certain way after two years of pandemic. Yeah, the fact of, like, what the end of the world is always like in fiction versus what it seems like the end of the world is going to be like in reality, which is all like, we still have to fucking go to work. Like, mm-hmm. you know, it's <laughs> all these just, meetings. Yeah. God. I mean, like, how is all the mundanity of life still, you know, when we're facing like our own extinction and, and stuff still happening? The beautiful thing about the stuff in in I.O. Mm-hmm. Yes. Was no, that I loved in in what's it called in zion it was just protein goop and raves <laughs> and that was it mm-hmm. no that's and, a, yeah and I, it was 
it was so the the fact that the sequels made such a like oh yeah zion is the thing that we're gonna care the most about and it's just it was so profoundly dull Mm -hmm. and there was no joy is dull and that was the thing it was like that it was the moving from survival to adaptation, like you said, and sort mm-hmm. of how do we flourish now mm-hmm. rather than just get by. Yeah. Is, I think, a question that we're all currently dealing with. Yeah. No, that's what I, I think is the other very contemporary part of this movie is the whole debate between what does saving humanity really mean? And does yes, it have exactly. to fit the parameters that we think it does? Like, mm. and what is the value of our life? If we're just saving to survive, is that yeah. worth it? Or if we're saving to be human as much as possible in the way that that means like having a sky that's beautiful, even as it's functional and eating a strawberry, like mm-hmm. yeah, <laughs> that whole, and the fact that like, Winning doesn't have to mean what we've thought it means. Exactly. You know, especially as like Americans kill all the robots. Yeah. Like America has some issues with that. (laughs) (laughs) Definitely lots of places in the world do right now. I feel like America is pro robot at this point. Uh, Well, no, but I mean, the like (laughs) winning means we annihilate everything but us. Yeah, exactly. That like the only way to know we've won instead of like coming to a new understanding and societal relationship that benefits everybody involved in it like winning doesn't have to mean there has to be a loser and that that isn't sustainable that zion's you know hot refugee raves couldn't (laughs) be the only thing keeping us going unbelievable (laughs) um and and that just that attitude when she talks about getting locked into it that the noise of wars is the noise Uh, of the matrix that that, like you get into a mindset Jada really killed it in this movie. She really did. I mean, she was that I whole was not character was her. great. And yeah, just like her whole point of view on the survival of the human race made this the most interesting Matrix movie in a while. Yeah, I, I think the ideas in this were the most interesting they've been since the first movie. Yes. Um and so that I all really liked. And I Keanu Reeves' performance in both the love story parts and the anxiety, what's real, life sucks part were incredible. I'm like Whitney, watching some of those scenes, if you're anybody who's ever had, like, I've had PTSD. I have had flashbacks where I am seeing a different room and know intellectually it's not the room that mm-hmm. I'm in. And having to fight your brain on the fact that, like, I am seeing and hearing and feeling things that part of my brain knows are not happening in this room, but the fight between those two parts of your brain, I felt that watching him in like and also the... that so much of it is is then Neil Patrick Harris subsequently gaslighting him. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, like totally. That the relationship of the two of them worked really well. They're like and made him a really incredible antagonist. I am also with Whitney while I really like Jeffrey Groff. I didn't think he worked until certain parts at the end. Partially because, like Jamie was saying, Hugo Weaving's antagonist in the first Matrix is incredible and set the bar is like one of the things about that movie that like changed Phil, mm-hmm. <laughs> like who Agent Smith was. He's the only it, person it, that I think is irreplaceable in that movie. Like, yes. I, I love Lawrence Fishburne as as Morpheus. But I think you could find another actor that would bring a 
if not similar, then equally compelling performance to it. I don't think that the Matrix works at all without Hugo Weaving. Yeah, no, I don't think it does either. I don't think um, without the the revolutionary fighting and cinematography and Hugo Weaving, those are what made the first. I mean, everybody did a great job in the first yeah. Matrix. It's an excellent, it's one of those damn near perfect movies. Yeah. But again, um, it, it comes down to it's about Neo and it's about Agent Smith. And that's what. Yeah, that's that's what this one was missing, was it that it was about. Again, it it, it wasn't that that. The core conflict of the movie was Trinity versus herself. Yes. Yeah. Can while we're talking about Smith, uh, I, I I didn't really understand what he was. What what was what was his goal in this film? Like wild card bitches. Well, to continue <laughs> to continue to exist because he made. Yeah, party. I guess that. Autonomy like, was yeah. his goal. Mm. Yeah, he because his achieved a certain level of sentience with Neo and the last movie. Yeah, in Reloaded, basically. Yeah, and then they did the like code update with to modernize the Matrix, and he yeah he got put able, back in a hierarchy. Well, he was able to maintain that autonomy underneath the code update but that Partially was the thing because he was also integrated into he was, he was the boss controlled. of the video game company so he yeah. he, he was right. he was part he was still He's, integrated into that system yeah he said the analyst had control over him for a yeah. period as well and i get that I, but i just don't understand why why was he trying to stop neo was it just like leftover anger <laughs> about like well, losing no, or because he said something about revenge, right? Like, Well, all of when he brought back the other guys and stuff, but what he was talking about was basically he was worried that coming back and trying to get Trinity was going to shut down this version of the Matrix and, and end the analyst. this version is where he had sentience. I see. If it ended the analyst experiment, then all of them who were individuals were going to get purged. Okay. Like when they talked about like purging, you know, the Oracle and stuff like that. Okay. So that's it's like what in the he good was place when they shut down the good place and he, Michael gets found out as the architect, then he dies, which is why they couldn't have it found out by the higher ups that, you know, the good place experiment wasn't working. It's Spoilers the same thing the here. <laughs> the good place is probably the best Matrix movie of the past 20 yeah. years. <laughs> Um, so yeah, it was that whether he succeeded or whether he failed, kind of either extreme for Neo meant potentially Agent Smith getting wiped. Got it. Well, that tracks then. The uneasy so, alliance at the end as well. Yeah, that, that, right. makes, so, that all makes more sense. So just sort of like trying to stop him, but also not fully trying to stop him and playing along as the the boss of the video game company, but also the alliance at the end. All of that is just because he doesn't he wants the toil to continue, because if the toil continues, then he continues. Mm. OK, OK. But he also doesn't want the analyst to straight out win because the analyst was like controlling him for you know, yeah. So he's playing all sides to try and get the most benefit for him personally. All right. Um, but but yeah, so that's I, there, 
a lot of the, the ideas and the storytelling elements I really liked. In those parts, the acting was great. I agree with Whitney in that Keanu was just not a presence in the, the middle part. Like, his whole resuscitated... He was great in the stuff with Trinity, and he was great in the stuff where he was trying to figure out what was real. And then when he was like Neo again, but he not... He doesn't get a lot to just, do. He doesn't have a lot to do, but he also just wasn't a presence, even with mm-hmm. his, you know... I mean, how uh, many what he did lines does do. he say in the John Wick movies? But, like... But but he's a presence he's, for sure. He's yeah. John Wick. He doesn't have to you say know? anything like at we, all. We know that Keanu Reeves has an ability to silently drive a movie. Keanu Reeves is like Keanu Reeves and like peak 80s Jackie Chan are probably the two best physical actors that we have. Hmm. Like watching Keanu Reeves in a in an action scene it it's a beautiful example of like doing storytelling through motion yeah um but i i also agree with Jamie about the fact that the action didn't didn't drive the story at all it didn't feel relevant to the it story it felt supplemental yeah yeah and it didn't break any new ground so if it's not going to do any of those things and especially if what Lana was trying to do was subvert the first movies, you could have had so much less action in these. Now, I get that that would have pissed off a lot of people, too. Like, I understand, too, too and again, studio intervention Mm. of, like, (laughs) you know. But it did feel half-assed in comparison to, like, the ideas and the other story elements. Um, And, yeah, it wasn't either story-relevant, really, or just beautiful for its own sake. It felt like a good episode of Arrow. <laughs> oh, that is a Ouch. burn, man. Well, no, but but like, like, like again, a good like, episode though. But yeah, but the, talk the about cor- damning the with choreography, the like action choreography of a CW television show. Uh huh. Right, it felt competent, but not exactly. And and when it's resting on the shoulders of giants, and also has. Keanu Reeves has passed seven years with the John Wick movies to contend with that it comes up short. Yeah. Because it's not like he can't do the thing. Yeah. And that is the thing that we know he can do it still, like you were saying, that it's not and just he can an age. do it and then some. Hmm. Yeah. Lindsay, you got anything else? Uh, mostly, I really did like the production design. Yeah. I like the lighting as well. Uh, and bugs, again. <laughs> and bugs. Want to be slash date. Yeah. Bugs is hot as hell. Yes. And like so cool and so. And she was such a grounded performance that really drove a lot of the movie. Just the epitome of X Factor. Like when people talk about people having it. It. The it thing. Yeah. Bugs has it. So I don't know if any of y'all noticed this. This is a small thing that I put in my notes. Uh, She once introduces herself as Bugs. As in Bunny, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And then at one point, she asks, "What's up, Doc? What's up, Doc?" What's up, Doc? Yep. Yes. And then she's yes. also later she in also the movie a, wearing a, a shirt with a carrot with on a it. With a carrot on it. Yeah. <laughs> well, and I and mean, also there's the whole has follow the the rabbit, the white the rabbit, rabbit. and she has yeah. she yeah. follows bugs out of. So they they really leaned heavily on the bugs thing. It was Warner Brothers flexing their IP might to the. I mean, I. I <laughs> 
possible. But oh, I mean, Lana has talked me about. Now mm, uh. <laughs> <laughs> this is giving me Space Jam a new legacy. Feel. It's certainly no. It certainly wasn't. I mean, because clearly this whole movie is Lana working some shit out against yes. Warner Brothers. But you know, it is. But funny. also under the auspices of. Correct. Yeah. Lana has talked about the her key trans representation, like the the one positive role model that she saw as trans when she was younger was Bugs, Bugs Bunny. Bunny. Interesting. And the creator of Bugs Bunny has said that Bugs is cannot because she was talking about any other time that she saw anybody basically playing against their assigned at birth gender for whatever reason, like dressing up in drag as a character for some reason or actually being gender nonconforming or trans in some way, it was almost always negative, right? It was psycho. It was <laughs> like that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Bugs was a positive in that when Bugs transformed into female versions of themselves, it was a female version of themselves. First of all, they weren't playing somebody else and it was empowering. It was fun. It was it gave them abilities. It made it was sexy, like all of these things that she didn't see in any other trans characters. And yeah. and the creator of Bugs has kind of said that while that was not his original intention, he has he totally he considers Bugs now a trans character with and like a non-binary Bugs yeah. has represented to trans and non-binary people. That is incredibly relieving to hear that that person who who created Bugs Bunny. Yes. In a a time when that was not a popular thought, you know, line of thought has has adopted that. That is like very heartening. I didn't mean it that way, but it but I'm all in that that. way because of what it meant to to trans and non-binary people. That's incredible. That's really incredible. So I think more than uh, than Warner Brothers stuff, although that could be some of that in there, too, because like we said, this movie is meta on like six different levels all the time. So that's yeah. oh, I, I also think that at the same time that Lana is like Bugs is a hero. I'm going to make the hero of this new generation Bugs and have all of this Bugs Bunny stuff and the what's up, Doc, and the carrot, whatever. I also think that it's Lana sending up Warner Brothers. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, think I think it could definitely so be both of those things. The thing is also meta giving <laughs> Warner Brothers a hard time. She's like, Space Jam 2 was not very good. Also could be a dig at the fact that for decades, the best trans or non-binary representation that anybody had was a cartoon rabbit. Yeah, a like, cartoon rabbit. Come on. Um, but also, I did, one of the better jokes that I love really quick, just before we get off that, was the neologist. <laughs> and then the fact that when they're in the Matrix again for the first time, and they're seeing him, and Bugs is like, what do you think? Uh, is he working for you? And he and was like, like, well, oh, I was yeah, worried because of the age difference, but with the beard and the, the hair, hair, oh, it totally works. And she's like, that's not what I meant. <laughs> but again, like talking directly to the audience of being like, you know. Yeah. We're worried about him not being sexy 20 years later, but no, it works. It still works. <laughs> Incredible. <laughs> and that actor played that that bit very well. He only had a couple real parts, like a couple lines, but he definitely pulled focus at all of them. So, <laughs> Yeah, they gave, I think everyone on the crew, on the, the, sh- the ship, like everyone had at least a moment, which was pretty mm-hmm. nice. I think even in the original one, everyone on the ship had like at least a moment, which yeah. was yeah. pretty cool. A lot of ref- a lot of self-referential stuff. <laughs> I have a lot of notes. I'm going to skip through these really, really quickly. 
some tinfoil hat stuff here. I'm going to run by y'all and you just tell me yes, no, you're a crazy person. Okay. Uh, I watched this. I saw, I watched this movie twice. This movie is two hours and fifteen minutes long, and I'll I say this all the time. It did not have to be. I don't know what the editors 100% are doing. Did not need to be. Like I said, it could have ended before that whole. It like when they clasp hands and force push people away, it could have ended there. And there's at least twenty minutes of movie after that. All movies are too long now. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Full stop. All movies Full stop. are too long. Uh, I agree. Let me say uh, the only three new films that I've watched over the past month have been reboots or some kind of reimagining of things that happened 20 years ago. Okay. No spoilers. Mm -hmm. I saw Ghostbusters. I saw the new Spider-Man and I saw this. And I think this is the only one that I'll be talking about for any period of time. Yeah. Uh, And I'll just put that out there. So there you go. Yeah. Also, that, everybody go see Nightmare Alley. It's new and it's really good. And it's not. <laughs> it's not a reboot or a sequel of anything. Guillermo del Toro, go. Um, <laughs> so the thing that Morpheus says in this about nothing comforts anxiety like a little nostalgia. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I this laughed movie, at that. Yeah. So yeah. And then this movie goes ahead and kind of even Comfort goes the against. the hell out of you. Yeah. goes against. <laughs> um. I, I found quite a bit of truth in that, having come off of both Spider-Man and Ghostbusters, movies mm-hmm. that I've both enjoyed. Don't get me wrong, but like very um, uh, ephemeral, I guess, is what I would call them. Mm-hmm. So yeah. there's that. Uh, if you had asked five years ago, Andrew, what he wanted in a Matrix sequel, <laughs> it might have sounded like the development meeting. <laughs> and i'm I'm ashamed to say that i think any conversation pre this movie being made Mm -hmm. about what this movie would be like sounds like that development yeah they probably just recorded they just having that conversation yeah well and also specifically it's they're making a matrix sequel both keanu reeves and carrie ann moss are in it yeah where do you go from here exactly exactly so that said, you know, that's where I found that very funny and it stung a little bit. But I <laughs> I, I thought that was that was my intro to say that I think all of us agree. And I've been kind of just like collating all of our thoughts as we as we go. I think this movie is trying to have its cake and eat it, too, where it's mm-hmm. like, let's mm-hmm. subvert the hell out of this thing. But then also it just like puts the dojo scene in like you can't do both. Right. Like mm-hmm. I loved the first out, like I guess, hour of this when they're the all of the you know going again, like talking shit on Warner Brothers and that <laughs> development meeting and all of that stuff really, really worked for me. And then I agree with all of y'all that like the action stuff, I could you know if it wasn't in there, I don't think I would have missed it really. But again, that's probably not what Warner Brothers wanted. So there's also that to factor in. Mm-hmm. Here's something I want to pitch out there. And this was kind of a thing that I arrived at yesterday. Is this, is this movie about artists versus studios? Like, I mean, I think that's one of the many things that it's about. Yeah. So like to piggyback, like to piggyback off of a bunch of stuff, because y'all put it much cooler than I had it in my brain. But so like (laughs) the analyst says people want to be comfortable and controlled. Mm -hmm. Right. 
And then at the end, the artist shows up and says, hey, the artist being, I guess, Trinity or Lana speaking through her, right? It's like, I'm going to make changes and we'll see how it goes, right? Like this movie, like mm-hmm. I'm going to make some changes and we'll see how it goes, right? Yeah. Paint the sky with rainbows, right? I really like that as like a, as an overall thought experiment, right? I And I think I, I think I would like it if they had, if they had done, if they had done a change and then the movie ended. You know? Oh, yeah. you wanted to actually yeah. see like a thing, like, and then, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I could yeah, get, exactly. Yeah. I could get behind I, I also, an epilogue. I also for do sure. agree with with Whitney there. Like, I I would have been profoundly happy if it just ended with them waking up in the in the ship and holding hands again. Yeah, I think. Yeah, but, I think that's mm-hmm. it's a great love story for sure, and it's clear that that's what that's what it was. I Lindsay brought up something that like sparked a thing, and I was like as quietly typing as quietly as I could. Have <laughs> so, cause I wanted to, I wanted to ask this. So I don't know why we had, we had this great, this, that great conversation between Thomas and Tiffany. Right. And it's like in the middle of the movie, they take this time to like sit with these characters and they're yeah. just talking. It is like, yeah, it's ju- and it's beautiful. Right. And Yeah. And all yes. of the things that you're getting, all of the, all the questions, the interactions, it's like, is the main character you? And he's like, there's a lot of me in him, maybe too much. And is is that like Lana saying again, like when we when we made those movies, the artist self insertion, yes, yeah, I put myself there, and then and now it's Lana speaking as Trinity, saying that like all of these. Um, she, this is the path that I chose despite all of these expectations of me uh, leaving like a, a potentially leaving like a comfortable and easy life behind to be the person who was once again going to come in and change the matrix fundamentally. I think that's like a like if I mean, I could just be like reading way in. But I, I think this movie no, invites you to read way think, in. Yes, mm-hmm. I 100 yes. percent yeah. think that the multiple different levels of meta is there for you to purposefully read it. And I think Lana is self-inserting a hundred percent. And I think that the characters talking about self-insertion and what looks like them and what whatever in the video game, in the movie is also the artist conveying to the audience about who they are. And I am self-inserting and I am both of these people. Yes. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, and I think also talking about how the fact that they kind of, you know, both of the Wachowskis sisters kind of unintentionally self-inserted in the Matrix, whereas now she's intentionally self-inserting and the difference sort of between that. Not that either one is necessarily wrong or right, because part of any creator goes into what they create. It's not possible and it's certainly not good (laughs) to not do that. Um, So but but there was a lot in the whole like maybe too much of me. Yeah. You know, it was in the lead character was that like we were maybe working through some stuff and maybe we're <laughs> yeah. kind of more of ourselves than we intended to put into the first Matrix. You know, I I, I love that kind of stuff where especially because like it all builds to like the choice has to be Trinity's. And at first it's like and it might have been like the choice to make this movie might have been Lana's and she gets up and walks away and then she turns around. Because mm-hmm. it was you know, never really pun- a choice. Yeah. She punches Chad right in his stupid face, and it's awesome. 
And I like that it's uh, the wrongness of her name is a big part of yeah, what that's drives it, her. Right. You're not calling And that it was intentional. That it yeah. was. Yes. It was a joke. It was, a, they say they throw, it's like a throwaway joke. And then again, pu- like a punch in the face, like, don't, don't fucking call me that. I, yeah. Okay. So, I mean, I'm like blowing my own mind here. I just, I, I really love all the, <laughs> if, if that's like the intent or at least one of the intents, then I love this movie even more than I already do. There were surprisingly two moments in this movie that reminded me of one of my favorite movies of all time. Walk hard, the Dewey Cox story. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, and one of Continue? them was what well, was specifically the, the continual insertion of Chad and Trinity's family of just like, you got to give up on that stupid life and dream of yours. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the it's kids absolutely. have fallen down. You yeah, have to go take the, care of them. He's got a Lego up his nose or something. <laughs> yeah. Like, oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Your dream is never going to work out. <laughs> And then the also other Agent, ripping the sink off the wall. Agent Smith ripping a sink off the wall. <laughs> <laughs> it's um, all I can think about. Well, yeah, it, it worked. It worked. <laughs> um, I love a couple smaller things about this movie that I'll just really quickly say. The I think they did a great job of bringing the Matrix into the current like we had discussed, but I mean the matrix, like in the matrix, like the fact that it's San yeah. Francisco seems super uber intentional. Like mm-hmm. I hope mm-hmm. it was to like really drive home to like the startup bros and agent Smith looks exactly think- like one of them. Like you stop taking my metaphor about the red pill and go fuck yourself. <laughs> like, yes. I think all of that was intentional. I think that they were, t- I'm, I think that, I don't know if as a writing team or Lana specifically, the it had to be addressed that like the original Matrix was like dial up modems and phones and hacking and freaking and like all that stuff. And now the Internet looks so different. And to bring the Internet into the modern age in this world where so much is already set, I 100 percent think that every part of the updating was intentional. I think the San Francisco thing was intentional. I think how Agent Smith looks now and and the yeah. video game company atmosphere was intentional. Um, yeah. I definitely think that all of that was like... I, I loved the way that they changed the, the portals and then not having to run for the phone booths anymore. And yeah, like, mirrors. It couldn't be any door, but it could be doors where you are linking to other doors and the traveling around the world through the portals to be harder to catch and all of that is very bringing it into the new century of the internet in a, in a way that makes sense and feels like it still fits with the initial matrix stuff. I thought it was great. Yeah. And I think changing the point of dehumanization by changing the city, because like in the first movies, it is New York. If it's anything, it's much more generically city ish but if it's anywhere it's new york right which was like it much might be more chicago but it, it could like be chicago but it's it's much more gothamy like either mm-hmm. way it's yeah. like a much more a city known for industry slash capitalism if it's chicago or new york you know um and all about the sort of grind and dehumanization of that and that is not where dehumanization is coming for anymore. It is coming from Silicon Valley. It is yeah. coming from that. So, you know, I think in keeping it contemporary, like what you're saying with the way they changed the Internet, but also like where is our willing 
dehumanization coming from? Where are we submitting to dehumanization now? Yeah. Yeah. Where where are we enslaving ourselves? And that is where we are enslaving ourselves. Absolutely. The Googles and the Facebooks and the whatever. And that is 100 percent intentional. That that uh, yeah uh, to springboard again so many good ideas here it's it's exactly so when you the the new york san fran comparison also in terms of like thomas like in new york he was a dude in a sea of cubicles and here he's the boss but there are still chains like he's got to go to all Mm -hmm. these shitty meetings and like he doesn't like it it's not great uh i kind of yeah he works it's, shit out in the shower and a does different, yeah, a different in his set of room. dread. Uh, yeah, I guess and is the what only emotional connections in his life, like in in the first one, it's the cog in the machine, the cubicle, the there's nobody in your life because you're just a cog, and in this one, it's like the only people in your life are there because of something you've done, like yeah. are there because of a thing you made, because you make the money, because you. So there's more like. A sense of friends, but even somehow emptier and lonelier. Yeah. Like even emptier and lonelier than when you had zero friends is these people who only like you because you made a thing that they like or you make them money. Damn it, Jude. (laughs) It was all all great. Oh, my God. Whitney, you said the humans and the machines getting together. I love that. You know, them talking about I them fighting the for resources or the high five or whatever that was at the end went too far mm-hmm. that sucked yeah i agree with that here's the <laughs> thing i like that they didn't make any of those robots um <laughs> they're not marketable it's not like bb8 yeah. like you're not going to go out and buy they that little ordered on bb8 yeah, that that the little guy yeah he did but there's no kid that wants that you know what I'm saying? That's the difference. I like, actually no- think they got close to it with the Priyanka Chopra's like robot. Mm-hmm. Oh, like oh, the, the, bat ray. Ray. The, uh, the flying squid. The, yeah, the, ray. the flying yeah. mantra. Yeah, the like the bat ray body, but the sort of almost dolphin esque face. Ka- I yeah. think had close. enough personality. I think that's where they got closest to like the Star Wars BB-8 type thing. But then <laughs> they they pulled back. They pulled back. They did. I have three other things that I really liked. Uh, these are just small little uh, things. Uh, the analyst's blue glasses looked exactly like the blue pills. Like the sheen was yeah. identical. I think yep, they the shot it that way. Because it yes. was just, it was, I mean, I could not stop. Like I was, it's a thing where I was like, I'm looking at Neil Patrick Harris's face, but I'm really looking into the glasses. <laughs> so mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh, uh, and I. Well, just really quick about the blue pills. While I enjoyed that and that like he's literally been being prescribed to take the blue pill every day. Yeah. It does kind of reinforce the message, which I wish people would stop saying taking medication for mental health if you need it will not make you cease to be an artist or free or alive. Yes. So just. Yeah, I do. I I do think that that's perpetuating a negative stereotype about mental health and medication. Um, I think that's kind of one of the. You're always going to have something that you can choose to read a certain mm-hmm. way. But I do think that that perpetuates a negative stereotype. You are um, not stifling your true self or your creativity or your freedom by taking stuff that like, you know, nobody says that about people who need to take insulin because they're type one diabetics and their pancreases don't work. But if you don't make enough serotonin, we have lots of judgment about it or fear that it's going to like fundamentally change who we are as a person. So exactly. Yeah. Uh, two. Yeah. Last two. 
in the in the back when we first meet Smith or whatever. I guess his name's Smith. Is his name Smith when we meet him? It's not. I don't no. know what it is. Um, in his office, he has a a bust of Hugo Weaving. Mm-hmm. Uh, getting punched really hard in the face <laughs> from the first movie, like where his jaw is like, <laughs> and I just thought that was delightful. Mm-hmm. Well, all the iconography, the toys, like in Tom's office and stuff that are the, yeah. some of the key imagery from the first movies. Propeller Heads is playing or like a, a version of the Propeller Heads song from mm-hmm. the lobby shootout when we first meet him is like, dun, dun. it's like a mm-hmm. jazzier version of it. Kind of. It's cool. The last thing I think we can all agree the best bit of iconography is that uh, Deja Vu, the cat, is the best. Deja Vu, yes. the cat. I that joke loud. was so on board with. <laughs> and at the end, Keanu just shows up and he's like holding and petting Deja Vu. And I'm like, I love this so much. It's the best. Well, and, I, and I loved when Neil Patrick Harris was gaslighting him and he was yes. like, you, self, yeah. you inserted my cat. Yeah. Into well, the games because yeah. you hate it so much. <laughs> oh, dear. That whole gaslighting speech of like, every artist takes bits of their real life, but you did it in this way that now makes your brain not be able to tell what's real or not. It was such a good speech. Yeah, that's all. Uh, overall, I had like a really great time with it. Through the course of this conversation, I have an even deeper appreciation for it. And, and as is in spite of knowing that it's like, it is flawed from an action perspective, mm-hmm. which is what a thing I felt pretty keenly mm-hmm. on both watches. Uh, but still, that didn't like. I don't think that takes away too much for me. I I, like, I would still say see it. It's like there there was enough enjoyment that I got out of it. Yeah, that I I think it was a worthwhile viewing. It's just more that like I, I said. I God, I guess like three times now. It was frustrating because. <laughs> yeah. It could have been great, and instead it's good. Right. It seems like the yeah. people it, it it seems like the people that don't care for it a lot online, and this was only going through the Rotten Tomatoes reviews, are the people that hate both halves of it, right? So they're like, I don't get the <laughs> like they're being as I as I said on Twitter, they're being real Judes, you know, like they don't they don't <laughs> like the meta. They just want their bullet time. And then they also don't like what was given to them. So I, well, if know. all you're there for is the bullet time, it was not adequate. No. It, and it's like a force push now, which is, I, you know, all right, that's fine. Again, I, very Marvel. And that frustrates me. Yeah. Yeah. Also, in the low stakes of the fights, like you were saying, every time the mob took somebody, nothing mm. happened to them. No, there was no time that in I was the first ever. Matrix died. Yeah, exactly. And you Joey felt Pants that. killed them all. He pants them all is what he did. <laughs> totally felt those deaths, like when he turned switch off and stuff. That was like, oh, oh, it's so heartbreaking. Oh, so it's the worst. And yet, yeah, there was no time where I was ever genuinely afraid anybody was going to die in this. And right, yeah, they didn't. <laughs> One other thing I thought of that I really, that now that we're just mentioning it, is like, uh, this doesn't look anything like the first three films. They don't have that green tint. Mm-hmm. It's just like a well, beautifully, I, I, just, I love the colors of this film. Yeah. It's not yeah, It's much more anymore. yellow. Yeah. It's so rich, you know? 
It's great. Like green, green text on a black background was a thing for a very long time. It no longer <laughs> is. Yeah, that's not what terminals real. The terminals didn't ever really look like that, but they certainly don't now. So I yeah. mean, I played a mud for a while that looked exactly like the Matrix. Yeah, I was gonna say Darkening Sun looked like started that. Started by computing on an Apple II, which looked okay. <laughs> exactly right. like that. Fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, I think that's it. Do we have anything? Do we have anything else? We covered the hell out of this movie. We did. We, we really did. We have, yeah, we have a lot more to say about it than I thought <laughs> we would. But I think, I think because it's so fundamentally exceptional, equally as much as it's exceptionally flawed. And I think that that's interesting. Very rare. Like more often than not, you can put it into the category of works for me, doesn't work for me. That's yeah. what we always do, what we always measure it by. And I think this mo- movie both did very much work for me and I enjoyed it, but also there was parts that I that did it not. didn't work yep. for me and that I genuinely think were bad and didn't necessarily lose interest. But I also like. I understand why there's such a split down the middle between like it and didn't like it because it both worked and didn't work for me. And so I think there's a lot, lot to, to talk about there. Yeah. Yeah. It's not often, not often a movie of this size comes along. And I think in, in certain ways purposely tries to divide right in, in a, in a specific way. Um, Mm -hmm. But yeah, usually a, a, like a blockbuster, if you want to call that this, that, which I think is fair, uh, it's either a hit or a miss. And this one is like a lot of shades of gray, not unlike mm-hmm. the film story itself. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's great. It's not the binary. Correct. It's something in between. Correct. We have, I don't know if y'all are seeing this. Yeah. There is oh, a, Ben Mooney. Hi, there ben. is a lot of, uh, we had a lot. And when I a lot of people wrote in their their feelings, <laughs> do we do we want to take turns here or something? I feel like I don't want to I don't want to necessarily I, w- I want people to be heard, uh, but I don't want to be the one to read. all this. Yeah, myself. we can rotate. <laughs> all right. Let me take care of Ben and then someone else could start talking here. Uh, ben Mooney on Twitter. He wrote instantly as soon as I posted. Tell us your thoughts. Right. He <laughs> wrote. I fucking loved it. End of tweet. And then a few moments later, he's like, okay, I could probably say more. It was fresh <laughs> while paying homage to the original. It was more heady and surreal than his predecessors. And I suspect that I missed about a hundred details that I'll still be catching in rewatches for years to come. Yeah. Right there with you. Anyone else? Go ahead. Yeah. Susan Burke Magno on yeah. Twitter wrote, perfect pulled all together. Truth and love at the perfect time of year. And then I think shooting star emojis. Seems Four right. Yeah, seems right. And then we have Melissa. Um, oh, Melissa. Who emailed us with a, a very hot take, spicy email. Um, she said, I have only managed one watch of Matrix Resurrections because every time I go to rewatch it, I fall asleep. My random thoughts, and they are random. My issue with the Matrix series in general is that I have never bought into the Neo Trinity love story. There is zero chemistry between them, IMO. Maybe I have watched one too many Hallmark Christmas movies, but I just don't buy their love story. <laughs> Tiffany? That's the name they came up with? <laughs> Trinity's alter ego? Tiffany? Blah. There are 
a hundred thousand other names, but they decided to go with Tiffany. I really dislike a majority of the acting, especially the people in the office. Don't get me started on Jude. Why is his reflection 90 years old? I don't understand that plot point. <laughs> Love that Chad played a Chad. This movie really drove home for me that Keanu is a great action star, but not a great actor. The less he talks, what? the more I like his movies. <laughs> Neo is this great savior, yet they lead him around like a toddler. Uh, I just can't. Also, he looked too much like John Wick. I love the new Mr. Smith. That actor also plays Olaf in Frozen, which I just think is hysterical. He and Neil Patrick Harris were the highlights of the movie for me. Why was it two and a half hours long? They could have cut out about 45 minutes or dialogue. Uh, I think that might be of dialogue, but yeah, I don't yeah, know. Yeah. Um, overall, this is a three out of ten for me. I really wanted to love it, but ended up hating it quite a bit. Melissa! She goes to bat often for Street Kings, I want to say. I, don't, I mean. Yeah. Yeah. And I don't, Melissa, I don't dislike Street Melissa's Kings. Melissa's our, our hardcore Street Kings stan. Aficionado. Yeah. Yeah. Melissa, I'm Maybe sorry. Maybe big James Alroy head. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, Melissa, that you did not care for this film. But I appreciate yeah. you writing in and taking the time. That's great. Um, right. So Maria wrote in the Discord. Um, she said, saw this last week in 4DX, highly recommended format, and my boyfriend and I are still talking about it, so something must have touched us about it. Also, as soon as it had finished, I wanted to watch it again to answer all of the questions I had. Here's some random thoughts. What worked for me? Batchet crazy good series of trailers. The hype machine got me good before release date. The connection and the chemistry between Neo and Trinity is fire, and this rightly grounded the whole film. After all, saving the world seems to not really be a priority anymore. <laughs> uh, Carrie Ann Moss is utterly compelling and a figurehead of Zen. Whilst all the meta jokes were at time delivered with irony on sleeve by others, she brought absolute authenticity and truth to Trinity. Uh, the first 50 minutes or so was enormous fun. Couldn't stop grinning when handsome Chad made an appearance. Also felt the delicious subversion, subversive anxiety of questioning what is real when Neo was being shot at in his workplace. Also love seeing Neo at his most vulnerable in the bath crushing on a girl. That's hilarious <laughs> because we have seen head. so much Keanu yeah. in the bath crushing on a girl. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, again, Jessica Henwick is a badass and love the sunglasses. Agree, agree, agree. Uh, the analyst is a great character. Agree. Um, mm -hmm. What didn't work. Too many throwbacks and old footage. No idea why Morpheus and Smith needed resurrecting. Just made me miss mm -hmm. the original actors. As these roles could have been just as good with new characters. Too much clunky action with not enough enough sense of threat or risk. Where's the long shots showing the amazing choreo these guys can do? Uh, high fives with cute machines, just no. <laughs> How dare. Uh, mostly, I would love to hear an interview with Lana Wachowski having a bitch about Warner Brothers and how she wants to tell them all where to go, but I don't think that will ever happen. This fan will watch this again, and it's better than Revolution, so that's a win. I agree. It's 100% it's better than Revolutions, and I think personally I like it more than Reloaded. So just... If you're a fan of the first three, even if this isn't quite to your taste, I think you're going to it's worth worth a watch. Yeah. Yeah. Who wants to take Christina's tweet? I'll do this one. I don't want to talk a lot. So there we go. So yeah. Christina at Keanu Wave on Twitter wrote, Lana managed 
to make a reboot, a sequel, a reckoning with the franchise's real-world legacy, and a criticism of it all at once. And even if you didn't like it, you have to acknowledge that's pretty gutsy. The mm -hmm. cast were uniformly great, but Neil Patrick Harris in particular surprised me. Yeah, mm -hmm. me yep. too. Agree with that. All right, Claire F. writes in our Discord, I think Miss Wachowski going back to make sure that women finally get their due from a sci-fi action series is a good justification for revisiting an old world. I didn't 100 It didn't 100% succeed, in my humble opinion. What were Niobe's motivations exactly? But it was worth a shot. And having it turn out that the next generation had spent all their energy trying to reclaim a male savior only to discover he was useless without the woman behind him was the kind of thing that pisses off toxic men. Mm -hmm. Personally, I love pissing off toxic men. As my <laughs> husband put it, the first three movies only gave Trinity about half the amount of character development she actually deserved. And here she got about two thirds of what she needed to make the he needs her because love will make him whole underpinning less cringy than it was in the first two sequels. <laughs> 100% agree, Claire. Claire, yeah. well done. Good point. Agree points. on all of And longtime listener Zoe P emailed to say, Zoe! What a joy to have the podcast back. Thank you, Zoe. 2021 has been a criminally shit year, so I'm yeah. really happy to hear your dulcet tones again. I'm feeling quite <laughs> happy about Matrix Resurrections, although I do have positive and negative thoughts about it, but I'm trying to avoid spoilers as I don't think Jody has seen it yet. Lots of nostalgia. Loved this as a way to help the audience understand what was going on. It was great to see Keanu flexing some acting chops, showing Tom slash Neo as a man on the brink. Good to have that conversation about mental health in these times. Loved that he couldn't stay away from Trinity. Such an iconic duo couldn't be separated by Chad doing a dodgy cameo. <laughs> was he strapped for cash so he had to moonlight? <laughs> I'm sure not. The John Wick movies have done fairly well, uh, yeah. from what I understand. It was just a fun. It was a fun thing. I think. I think it was just a fun thing. Um, Neil Patrick Harris and Jonathan Groff and Jessica Renwick were great additions to the cast. Lots of exposition. I understand the need for it, but it was hard to hear as lots of drunk men in the cinema were being rowdy. <laughs> Second viewing was required to catch all of the subtleties. Overall, I think this is how a sequel should be done. I'm definitely looking forward to watching it again. It's perfect. Sounds like Zoe's big negative was just uh, someone breaking the social contract, which <laughs> yes, that's OK. That's OK. You know, yeah, that's going to happen. That's going to happen. Mm -hmm. Thank ev Thank you, everyone who wrote in. That was incredible. What an outpouring. People still listen. People still care. It's great. It's awesome. They do. When there's a we new Keanu movie, the first thing that happens is people are like, when are you going to record? And that warms my heart. So there you go. Mine too. Co-hosts, take a breather. You've earned it. Everyone else, we're going to do something interesting. It's We call it doing a capitalism. Let me <laughs> add this. Uh, nice little backing track here. Oh, isn't that nice? I'm going to tell you about a company that has partnered with us for our other podcast, The Kurt Locker, as well as this one. Really quickly, I'm going to tell you about Backblaze. It is a service that I have been using personally for about 10 years now. And what is Backblaze? Very simply, you pay $7 a month and you get unlimited backups of your computer and everything plugged into it which is really, really nice. I do audio 
and video production by trade, so I have 45 terabytes of data backed up with Backblaze, and I have the receipts to prove that. 45 terabytes is not something I would wish on my worst enemy. So uh, I am truly an outlier for Backblaze, but I think that's why they keep me on, and they're sponsoring this episode to show that uh, they will back up even a ridiculous amount of data. All it does is it sits in your menu bar on a Mac or your taskbar on Windows. It quietly and intelligently backs up throughout the day or just at times you specify it's never interrupting anything you're doing in terms of the bandwidth of your internet. If you lose a drive because it died, hard drives die, or uh, it gets misplaced, or it falls for some reason, maybe you use little portable hard drives and you fall and you break it, you can get your data back almost instantly just by simply re-downloading it. Or if you don't want to do that, if it's too much data, you can have Backblaze put everything on a disk for you. They'll mail it to you, you offload it, and then you send it right back to Backblaze. No problem. It's incredible. All of the data is encrypted, so it's inc incredibly safe. No one at Backblaze has access to it. But, you know, obviously remember your password because if you lose that, then you don't have access to your data either. So super, super important. We have a 15-day free trial to help you orient yourself, see if you dig it, uh, no hassle, none of that stuff. Go to 12and24.com slash Backblaze. That's B-A-C-K-B-L-A-Z-E, 12and24.com slash Backblaze. It'll be in the show notes too. Make it easy for you. Sign up, give it a shot. It's peace of mind. I love it. That's it. End of capitalism. All right. I think it's time. It's time. I haven't heard this in over a year. <laughs> I cannot wait to press this button, and I hope it is not too loud. Pop quiz, asshole. There was a time when I had the need to learn from you. Oh, what the hell do you know? Lose! I don't lose! I win! Got a lot to learn about sportsmanship. Oh my god, I love it so much. Pop Quiz Asshole is our very own show where the host will ask each of us three questions. If one of us gets it wrong, the others have a chance to steal. And if they get it wrong, another person has a chance to steal, so forth and so on, assuming we remember the answers. It's harder than you <laughs> Not think. Not always a given. Yeah. And this movie has a lot of lot of little things that could be picked apart, I th I believe. So I don't know if there's bonus round. It's been a minute. But uh, without further ado, let me turn it over to the master of ceremonies, Charles Nolan. Hello, everybody. Hello, Charles. Charles. It is so good to be back talking about our boy, Keanu. Keanu. Yes, it is. For those of you who don't know, Charles joins us on our other show, The Kurt Locker, as well. Charles, a master of Keanu and Kurt as well. Go figure. It was like in The Matrix when you say, I need to learn about these things, and they just <laughs> upload it. That's what happened for Kurt Russell. <laughs> Incredible. Very efficient void. Yeah, it's great. It's great. The void gives quite a bit, while also being entirely nothing. <laughs> it's weird. Yeah. <laughs> Let's... Get into it. Yeah, let's, let's go. Get into it. We've got some trivia for you, and we're going to start off with 
Jamie. At the very beginning, we see a blinking cursor on a DOS-style computer prompt. How many times does it blink before beginning to type? <laughs> Was it eight, nine, 10, or 11? I'm going to go conservative, and I'm going to say nine. That is correct. Hey. Nicely done. SAP Oof. prep. <laughs> Very nice. Moving on to Lindsay. In the opening chase sequence, we see a sign for the Heart Otha City Hotel with a letter burnt out of the word heart. Which letter is burnt out? Was it H, E, A, or R? E? That is correct. Nicely done, God. Moving on to Whitney. Bugs says when she first saw Neo, the moment he looked at her, she felt something blank her mind. What was that blank? Was it access? Open, unlock, or free? I think it was open. That is incorrect. Uh, Steel? Lindsay. Unlock? That is correct. That's what I thought. There it is. Unlock. Okay. Okay. And moving on to Andrew. Obliably. Bugs and Morpheus run out of a movie theater with a marquee displaying The Root of All Evil starring Alito Rodriguez, which is a reference to which Netflix original series? Is it Black Mirror, Sense8, Love, Death, and Robots, or Bloodline? Uh, since the Wachowskis were involved, I'm going to say Sense8? That is correct! <laughs> nice! <laughs> All right! I was totally going to steal that. If you did. <laughs> mm -hmm. Never seen it. I should watch it. I know I should. I also should. Everyone so should I. Said, Whitney, <laughs> watch Sensei, and I will one day. All right. <laughs> Back up to the top with Jamie. When Jonathan Groff's character is pitching the sequel game to the Matrix trilogy before Thomas breaks down, he says he's already spoken to which department? Is it finance, legal, animation, or marketing? I'm going to say marketing. That is correct. Nice. nice. The bastards. You always got to talk to marketing, you know? <laughs> yeah. Speaking as a digital marketer. <laughs> always got to talk to Whitney. Always talk to Whitney. <laughs> I mean, that's yes. Moving on to Lindsay. Thomas Anderson's medication is ontonafloxin, which is a take on ontology, a branch of metaphysics dealing with the nature of what? what? Is it the nature of being, the nature of learning, the nature of evolving, or the nature of dreaming? The nature of learning. That is incorrect. Steel. I could not tell who that was. Is Jamie. Jamie, take it away. I'm going to say the nature of being. It is the nature of being. That is correct. Nice. Wow. 
What was the name of that medication? Ontonafloxin. <laughs> That's a perfect name. Yeah. All right. Good. It's a very good fake medication name. <laughs> <laughs> Moving on to Whitney. When Neo and Bugs first go through the door that takes them to the train, where is that train located? Is it Beijing, Paris, Tokyo, or Antwerp? Tokyo. That is correct. Boom. That's how you do it. Yeah. That was the only, that was the only one that I could have gotten with 100% surety. <laughs> Moving on to Andrew. Andrew, before taking the red pill, Neo does a swear. <laughs> <laughs> what swear is it? If you are sensitive to strong language, skip ahead like 15 seconds. <laughs> what if is she it? gets it wrong? Well, Mm. Skip ahead 30 seconds. I don't know. Just be warned. <laughs> Can you just beep them all out? Yes. Oh, my God. Does he <laughs> say? We're just going to beep them all. Beep. Beep. Or beep. <laughs> Your actual choices are damn, shit, hell, or fuck. Um... I'm going to go with sh shit on this one. That is incorrect. Steal. Lindsay. Fuck. That is correct. All right. Fair enough. All right. <laughs> the adult portion of pop quiz asshole. Wait. <laughs> <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> Back up to the top for the final round of regulation questions. We go to Jamie. How many minutes into the movie are we when we see Neo out in the real world? Is it 50, 55, 60, or 65? 65. That is incorrect. Steel. Whitney. 50. That is correct. Nicely done. Yeah. It's tough when they're that close, you know? Mm -hmm. Moving on to Lindsay. Nemazine is the name of Bugs' ship. Nemazine is the Greek muse of what? Thoughts, dreams, memory, or song? Dreams. That is incorrect. Steel. Andrew. Memory. That is correct. Yeah. I just went with the one that looked like the word. <laughs> <laughs> it's all Greek to me. You know what I'm saying? Sorry. <laughs> I'll edit that out. I'll edit that out. Goodness gracious. <laughs> <laughs> now I got to keep it in. Moving on to Whitney. <laughs> Stephen Roy plays old man Thomas Anderson in the reflections that we see of him. Who is Stephen Roy? Huh. Is he Keanu's uncle, Carrie Ann Moss's husband, Lana Wachowski's grandfather, 
or producer Grant Hill's brother. Carrie Ann Moss's husband? That is correct. What? Wow. That, yeah. Everyone's getting cam. You get a cameo and you get a cameo. <laughs> <laughs> Fun cool. stuff. For the final question of regulation, pop quiz asshole. It's Andrew. Okay. What was the code name used for this project when filming initially began? <sighs> was it Project Ice Cream, <laughs> Vengeance, Nightingale, or Summer of George? What? <laughs> Would you like those choices again? No, I just... Good, because you weren't going to get them. <laughs> you know the rules. <laughs> um... Ice cream. It's got to be, right? That is correct. Yes! <laughs> Those nice. other ones were too That was weird. my guess, too. I was going to guess ice cream, but I kind of wanted it to be Summer of George. <laughs> Summer of George was the code name for one of the recent Spider-Man movies. Oh, okay. All right. That's interesting. Well, going into our bonus round... Our scores are currently three to three to three to three. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, oh wow. wow. Unprecedented. We're all really smart. Wow. This is very <laughs> impressive. I would have expected the Void to have had a point by now. <laughs> Wait a minute. Suck it, Void. <laughs> I see. <laughs> I was going to say, don't antagonize the Void. Yeah, what's going on? You don't poke the bear. <laughs> For our bonus round, the questions are asked to everybody, and the first person to buzz in gets to guess the answer. If they buzz in before I am done listing the choices, the rest of the choices do not get listed. <gasps> I don't so like we it. ruin it for everybody. You ruin it for everybody, Whitney. <laughs> <laughs> I feels am the personal. worst offender. Feels I am personal. the worst offender. <laughs> so let's hear everybody's buzzer sound, starting with Jamie. <laughs> Excellent. Fantastic. <laughs> Lindsay. Ding, ding, ding. Whitney. Me. And Andrew. Bzz. Fantastic. There are four bonus round questions. If you each get one, I quit the show. <laughs> That is not true. Okay. <laughs> that is incorrect. I have tiebreakers prepared if need be. Wow. All right. Here we go. Bonus round question number one. What was the originally intended release date for this movie? Was it May 21st, 2021? October 5th, 2021? December 22nd, 2021, or April 1st, 2022? Me. I heard Andrew first. I think that would be Keanu Reeves Day, May 21st, 2021. That is correct. <laughs> look, what the, look what they've taken from us. <laughs> John Wick was supposed to come out that day, too. God damn it. Look what they've done to my boy. <laughs> <laughs> 
Bonus round, question number two. The score is done by Johnny Climac and Tom Tykwer. I think that's how that's pronounced. This makes the first Matrix movie to not have the score done by whom? Is it Machine Head, Bill Pope, Joel Silver, or Don Davis? Jamie. Don Davis. That is correct. Nice. Nice. Moving on to bonus round question number three. This was the first Matrix movie to be shot digitally. The others were shot using what film format? Was it Super 8, Super 35, 3 Perf, or Super Vista Vision? Ding, ding, ding. Lindsay. Super Vista Vision? That is incorrect. Me? Whitney. 3 Perf? That is incorrect. <laughs> Jamie. Super 35. That is correct. It couldn't have been Super 8. Uh, yeah. I was getting a little worried, but yeah. uh, we got it. We got it. And for potentially the final question of Pop Quiz Asshole. How many times throughout the movie do we hear or see the name Neo? Oh, oh boy. <laughs> is it... 23, 37, 51, or 65? Ding, ding, ding. Lindsay. 51. That is incorrect. Me. Whitney. 37? That is incorrect. <laughs> Andrew. 23. That is correct. Yes. Okay, good, because I forgot all the numbers. <laughs> <laughs> as, as always, I remember basically the first number that was. <laughs> and 65 was the other number. Got it. Okay, good. Wow. Well done. All right. So that means our scores are Lindsay and Whitney tied at three. Jamie and Andrew tied at five. Oh, no. What? So we have a tiebreaker question. Oh, my Woo. gosh. On our first episode back in over a year, what is happening? You All love right. to see it. <laughs> Shouldn't have joined the podcast. <laughs> this All will right. be a closest without going over style Ooh. question. Mm -hmm. For opening weekend in the U.S. and Canada, how much did this movie pull in in the box office? Oh, no. $65 million. I feel like HBO hurt this movie. I watched it on HBO. <laughs> um, uh, $40 million. 40, yeah, 40 million. Sometimes in The Price is Right, there would be a beep that would say that every contestant has gone over the amount. Damn it! Oh, no. If I had that beep, <laughs> I would play it here. Oh, do we have to keep fighting? 
<laughs> yes, please. <laughs> All right. Um, Is there another tiebreaker? <laughs> oh, we're still going for oh, this oh, one. It's the same question. You just, okay. You just okay. have to offer new numbers because you both went over. Okay. Um, $28 million. $17 million. <laughs> The beat would play again. <laughs> oh, no, no. What is happening? Okay. Um, Seven point five million dollars. Uh, Fifteen million dollars. And we have a winner. The correct answer was twelve million dollars. Therefore, Jamie, who was closest without going over, is the winner. Hey. There's the fanfare. I missed it. So good. I realized my fatal flaw. When Jamie said 65 million, I should have just said a dollar. Just like on the <laughs> price. Have said. Yeah. yeah. One dollar, yeah, Charles. Price, price is right rules are infinitely abusable. <laughs> One dollar, Bob. You also could have hedged your bets with 7.6 million on that last round. <laughs> but I, yeah. you didn't. Oh, well. <laughs> that would be a dick move. It yeah. would be a dick move. It's, it, yeah. It's the $1 thing. Yeah, I get. I understand that. And it only works if you're last. So they're, okay, that's fine. You feel it's poor sportsmanship. Well done, Jamie. Well done, Jamie. Thank you. I'm happy I've maintained my streak. It's crazy. It's crazy. Uh, I guess, I guess spoilers for an episode of, <laughs> no, Kurt Locker, that hasn't come out yet. <laughs> you can beep that one, too, in post, right? Spoilers for beep, 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 Locker. <laughs> yeah. Now we come to Pop Quiz Audience, where I ask our audience questions. I had to go quite a ways back to find the answers that I got for last Pop Quiz Audience. Yeah. But last pop quiz audience was for Bill and Ted Face the Music. We had three pop quiz audience questions, and they were, what is the first line of the movie? Zoe P. correctly identified that it was, ready, B? Zoe. What Zoe. Then? What does Ted's heart tattoo say in the prison scene? It says Elizabeth plus Billy forever. Again, correctly identified by Zoe P. Zoe is crushing it. She's on fire. The third question was, what was the name of the solo album from Death reviewed as worse than Pale on Pale? <laughs> no one got that one right. It was The Lonely Soul Surfer. <laughs> there are only two pop quiz audience questions this time. You can tweet to me at the Nolan T H E N O W L I N on Twitter or drop your answers in the Discord. And if you're right, you'll get called out on the next episode of Cool Breeze whenever that is. <laughs> we'll talk about it. <laughs> Question number one Bugs crashes into a sign when sliding down it to escape the agents at the start of the movie. What does the part of the sign that she bumps into say? Huh. I noticed this. 
And question number two, what is the name of the coffee shop seen several times throughout the movie? (laughs) (laughs) Oh, that's a good one. Tweet to me, and if you're right, you'll get called out like Zoe P. All right. Oh, my gosh. What a show it's been so far. Charles, that was a great round of trivia. You all did so well. I am so proud of you. (laughs) It's very fun to do Pop Quiz Asshole again. It was great doing Pop Quiz Asshole again. Charles, did you did you like The Matrix? I did. I enjoyed it quite a bit. That's good to hear. It's good to hear that you're not being a real Jude. <laughs> really got to hit the D at the end of that name there, Andrew. <laughs> <laughs> really? Who <laughs> did? <laughs> Jude. Thank you. <laughs> God damn it. All right. Uh, I I bid you a good void. And a good void to all of you. Thank you for having me. Charles got me on my heels. I'm like, I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm like reeling over here. Oh my gosh. Let me run through the quick, quick Wikipedia style plot points that we have of this film. Before I do this, and we spoiled the shit out of it. You should definitely go see this movie or watch it on HBO or wherever. Uh, if you've just listened to us, I don't, <laughs> I think maybe we did do it justice actually, but uh, it's something to behold. Truly. Here we go. Thomas Anderson is a successful video game developer, creator of the matrix video game series based on his faint memories as Neo at a local coffee shop. Anderson continues to cross paths with Tiffany a married mother with no recollection of her past of which Anderson based Trinity, a game in his, a character in his game on Anderson struggles at times to separate perceived reality from dreams. His therapist prescribes him blue pills to suppress the occurrences, which he stops taking. Anderson operates a simulation called a modal, a programming sandbox developed to, uh, I believe this says develop game characters in the movie. They say evolve game characters. A young woman named Bugs learns that the modal is running old code in a loop, depicting when Trinity first found Neo within the Matrix. Bugs discovers a program embodying Morpheus and helps free him before Anderson's business partner, Smith, can erase the modal. After discovering his location, Bugs and Morpheus extract Anderson from the Matrix and learn that Smith is actually Agent Smith. Neo awakens in a pod and notices Trinity confined in another one nearby as machines sent by Bugs retrieve and transport him to Bugs' ship, the Nemesine, and into the human bastion, Io. There he reunites with Niobe, who explains that 60 years have passed in the real world since the machine war. Human survivors have allied with machines that deflected that defected to join human society. Though Neo wants to rescue Trinity, Niobe opposes and instead locks him up. Bugs and her crewmates disobey Niobe to assist Neo in freeing Trinity. After entering the Matrix, they are abruptly confronted by Smith and other exile programs who want the Matrix restored to its former form. In the ensuing fight, Neo manages to defeat Smith as his abilities gradually return. They leave and locate Tiffany, but before Neo can talk to her, his therapist appears and immobilizes Neo by manipulating time. He reveals his identity as the Analyst, a program 
designed to study the human psyche. He explains that after Neo and Trinity died, he was able to resurrect them to study them, and in doing so found that suppressing their memories but keeping them close produced an efficient, power-producing matrix, resistant to the anomalies that caused the previous iterations to fail. Neo's liberation has destabilized the system and threatened a reboot, according to the analyst, who has bought time from his superiors. He convinced them that Neo would voluntarily return to his pod to avoid putting Trinity's life in danger. Neo and Bugs forcibly exit the Matrix when another ship sent by Niobe brings the Nemesine back to Io. Niobe takes Neo to Sati, an exile program he previously met. That was a really great, we didn't even touch on that, it, really, it was like a great throwback to the third film which yeah. <laughs> didn't have a lot of high points specifically, but <laughs> this one was really cool. Uh, Sati's parents were killed by the machines. She was, she was a program. Her parents were programs as well. Seeking revenge, Sati helps devise a plan to free Trinity. Back in the Matrix, Neo makes a deal with the analyst that if he fails to convince Trinity to remember her past and voluntarily leave the Matrix, he would agree to return to his pod. The analyst accepts, and as Neo tries to convince Tiffany she is part of the Matrix, her family appears, enticing her to stay. She initially gives in, but soon after rejects them, calling her true identity, recall, uh, recalling her true identity as Trinity. As the analyst attempts to kill her, Smith intercedes seeking revenge for his own impris imprisonment, which gives Neo, Trinity, and the others time to escape. Being the last ones to be extracted, Neo and Trinity become cornered atop a skyscraper, Holding hands, they leap off, hoping Neo is able to harness his flying ability, but instead Trinity gains the ability and flies them to safety. With Trinity's newfound control over the Matrix, both return to confront the analyst, who now assumes a submissive posture. They sarcastically thank him for a fresh start, which they intend to use to remake the Matrix as they see fit. End of film. One thing that is worth calling out here, if you haven't watched it, all of you and then everyone listening as well, is there is footage of them performing the stunt where they jump off the building, which they really did, both of them, and it is incredible to watch. Fun. <laughs> they did it like 28 times. It wasn't just <laughs> once. It was like the, the two of them jumped off that building too many times. No human being <laughs> should do that. It was a lot, but it is incredible. To, to I will definitely like, have to watch that. They are to to say that they are committed is an understatement. <laughs> so, what do we do now? Oh my gosh! Oh, that's right. We go around and ask the question, and I think I know the answer. But let's start with Jamie on this one. Jamie, do you ultimately recommend this film? I would say watch it. Okay. That's a yes. It's a it's a lukewarm yes, but I'll take it. Well, yeah, I I, I would say it's like I I don't like it, but I respect it. If that makes sense. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No, that makes total sense. Yeah. 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 Okay. Whitney, do you ultimately recommend this film? I do. Okay, Lindsay. I do. Andrew. I also recommend this film. It was an easy. It's an easy one for me. I really, mm -hmm. really enjoyed this film more than I even thought I would. And more now after I've actually had a chance to talk with y'all about it and learn some new things that I didn't see the first time around. So that's great. Here's something interesting. This is still in an old, old Google Doc from long, long ago. 
our cool breeze over the mountains movie list. It's been a minute. Dust it off. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jamie's not on here. That's how no. long ago cool breeze yeah. over the mountains was. <laughs> So, Jamie, in in your list of Keanu Reeves movies that you've reviewed for Cool Breeze Over the Mountains. Yeah. Where does this hit? Where does this movie fall? It's probably not number one, I guess, right? I guess it would have to be. But that's that's (laughs) technically like look looking through uh, looking through the list on here. Obviously, the three uh, John Wick movies. Uh classic bill and ted uh man of tai chi and uh knock knock is at the bottom (laughs) perfect i have never been more fundamentally angry at a movie's existence than i was at the end of knock knock this is why we like jamie this is why we like jamie he can stay we watched it together (laughs) oh no well, at least you had someone to be angry with. Oh, uh, also for people that were unaware, uh, they are putting out Constantine in 4K in 2022. Incredible. Incredible. So. Scoop that one up. Scoop that one up. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, Lindsay, you have 11 movies on your list. Yes. Yeah. I am actually deeply debating which side of Constantine I want to put this on. Because... <laughs> so, <laughs> speak of yeah, the devil. I mean, Constantine is a movie that I just think is really fun. But I don't think it had either the like the highs or the lows of this one. Um, mm-hmm. In rewatchability, I think they're both very rewatchable in different ways. This one because it's so dense in places and has a lot to like unpack, and Constantine just because it's like a fun you know ride, and also Tilda Swinton. Um, but I have bugs in this one too, you know. <laughs> so, ooh, so I think <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yes. Well, oh, that's also such Peter a, one of the best Satan film performances of Satan too. ever. Uh, uh, film love Peter Stormare. I think I'm going to put this just underneath Constantine, making it my sixth. Fair enough. All right. Let me just move some stuff around here. Whitney, mm-hmm. you already have it on your list. Look at already you. Already have it in there. Tell everyone where you put it. I put it at number 13 between Destination Wedding and Parenthood. Uh, That's a wild set of movies right there. It is a wild set of movies. (laughs) Because it's been a year since we've done this, um, my top movies in descending order, starting with the one that's top of the list, my favorite Keanu Reeves movie, John Wick Parabellum. John Wick Chapter 2. John Wick, The Matrix, Speed, Much Ado About Nothing, Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure, Constantine, Bill and Ted Face the Music, Man of Tai Chi, Always Be My Maybe, Destination Wedding, and then Matrix Resurrections at number 13. That's still solid. That's a solid list Mm -hmm. of movies right there. Mm Mm-hmm. Andrew, where do you put this movie? I'm going to actually do exactly what Lindsay did and put this just below Constantine. It did not make my top 10. It is my number 11 film of Keanu Reeves. Uh, I think that if I was going to, here's what Constantine's a lot shorter. First of all, well, maybe not a lot shorter, but it's shorter. But 
They were better with the editing than they were on the Right. It's, it's more, yeah, it's just more stuff happens, stuff happens, stuff happens, yes, that sort of thing. Uh, so there's that. Uh, and just as, uh, just as a refresher, my top 10 is John Wick, John Wick Chapter 2, The Matrix, Speed, Excellent Adventure, Point Break, Parabellum, Face the Music, Much Ado, and Constantine. And right after that is The Matrix Resurrections. So pretty great. Pretty great. I don't know how much longer we're going to go before we have a reckoning. Uh, let's talk about our next episode. <laughs> oh, you mean DC League of Super Pets? <laughs> Technically, I was told, I, and I have been told many times, that uh, Keanu Reeves does appear in the SpongeBob film as well. I was well. going to say, I think you guys skipped the SpongeBob movie where he is the sagebrush. Um, and, I, you know, Whitney, do we want to make a call about SpongeBob? You know, I'd be, I'd be, you know, on our, on our other podcast, the Kurt Locker, uh, Whitney once skipped an episode and then rated the film anyway. I'd be <laughs> totally down to do that. <laughs> <laughs> we could just guess where we would rate yeah. SpongeBob. I'll, I'll, th- I'll think on, I'll have a think on it, but let's, uh, let me just say, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not rushing to go s- watch SpongeBob movie. Mm-hmm. I don't know about it. Well, any. I'm, I'm just on the cusp of, I was too old just barely yeah. for Spongebob. No, you should right. watch some Spongebob. So I have seen, like, no Spongebob. I have culturally osmosed a lot of Spongebob. <laughs> I mean, going into 2022, that is a very good zoning out and half paying attention to television show. <laughs> if there is, it, uh, let's let the audience decide. If there is a, a, an appropriate level of demand and uh, Whitney and I will determine what that means, but you know, uh, then we will yeah. watch that film and we'll mm-hmm. retroactively, you know, put it in the rotation. Uh, otherwise, <laughs> as far will. as I know, uh, Jamie mentioned the DC League of Pets, uh, in which I believe Keanu plays Superman's dog Undisclosed. or Batman's nope. dog. Oh, maybe nope, not. I don't know. The, that's the Rock and Kevin Hart, respectively. Oh, okay. So I don't know. It's one of those Johns. He might do, uh, he might be a villain then. I don't know. Uh, Who knows? A villain's dog. Yeah. It's got Mark Maron as Lex Luthor in it. (laughs) And John Krasinski as Superman, at least according to Wikipedia. They they get some great voice talent for those films. It's, you know, it's it's, Yeah, but it just... Keanu Reeves' role is undisclosed at the moment. Depending on the size of his role, we did do Toy Story, where he <laughs> had a pretty sizable role as Duke Kaboom. I'm not opposed to it. I just need to I make sure. I was going to say, th- if it's Duke Kaboom level. Yeah. Let, we're in. 100%. Mm-hmm. If Otherwise, it's one line. If it's Keanu, like the movie Keanu level. <laughs> well, we did the movie Keanu. We did do that. We can't, it has to be less than the movie Keanu. <laughs> We had to do that one. It was called Keanu. It's important. Yeah. Um, we'll see. We'll see. Uh, otherwise, it's looking like John Wick Chapter Four. And so that we'll is see you in twenty twenty three. Twenty twenty three, which is very sad. Very yes. sad. So, hopefully, before then, uh, we'll see. Again, this has been wonderful. I love this. Mm-hmm. Let's do it again soon. <laughs> <laughs> we'll do it again when there's a new Keanu movie. Yeah. Uh, True word. Can I preemptively invite myself to, John chap- Rick, chapter, to four. chapter four? Because I'm going to have some opinions about it. Yeah. Let's yeah. go. <laughs> yeah. Donnie, yeah. yet. 
Donnie Yen's in it. Scott Atkins is in it. Ugh. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's already Yuki Sonata. Already shaping up to be quite a quite an event film. Very exciting. That's it for us. We did it. This is a mighty episode. I don't even know how long we've been going, but it was. Well, we've pretty much hit the runtime of the movie. Which Sorry, y'all. Was a hefty runtime of a movie. Right. We didn't save you any time, but I think no. we added so much to your enjoyment of it. So there it is. But yeah, I mean, I listen to us talk about it while you do laundry or something. Yeah. Right. There you go. It's good. We've thoroughly enriched your Matrix experience. <laughs> Lindsay, it has been uh, delightful having you here. Uh, where could people find and keep up with you on the internet? Uh, they can find me at Lindsay Nelson on Twitter or at Lindsay Cameron Nelson, and that's N E L S E N on Instagram, where you will get lots of gelato. Um, and then also my podcast with Whitney, Historical Hotties, where you can find out who the biggest babes in history were. If you want to do a Matrix-related episode, we do have a computer programmer's episode, so find out which is the hottest in history. History. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Jamie, any, uh, any message boards uh, lighting your fire these days? <laughs> no, uh, none of my social media is public. Uh, I... <laughs> You know what? I mentioned it earlier. Watch Legend of Drunken Master. That's a really good movie. There you go. It's probably the best Jackie Chan movie. It's a very good movie. Is that a Criterion? Is that one of the Criterion ones? No, those are the police story movies. Uh, I th- okay. I think they just released a Drunken Master 2 uh, Blu-ray with the original like Cantonese audio and stuff. But All right. I've, any way you experience it, the action is unbelievable. All right. You want some good action, some great action, check that out. Check that out. Whitney, where are you at? I am at Whitney underscore Nelson, N-E-L-S-E-N on Twitter, um, but I very rarely tweet. And I am on Instagram at Whitney Nelson, N-E-L-S-E-N with no underscore there. Um, And that's mostly just pictures of my animals and occasionally food. Um, Listen to the Kurt Locker. Oh, the Kurt Locker. Yeah, go find the the Kurt Locker. Even if you're not sure how you feel about Kurt Russell, we do the same thing that we do here, only we do it for Kurt Russell movies, and it's worth checking out. Absolutely, absolutely. You can uh, you get that at 12 and 24. Check the show notes here. Just click. Uh, I also do a show with frequent guest Eric Hall about the Resident Evil films. We're wrapping that up. December is chaotic, but everything will be done, and it's incredible. So there you go. A couple podcasts, a couple new ones coming out soon, too. Do that. And you can follow me on the socials at Dark Driving. Uh, Twitter and Instagram are the two of note there. That's it. We did it. Um, Do I press this button? I love this theme song. It's been great doing this again. Thank you all for joining us. And in the words of Bill S. Preston and Ted Theodore Logan, be excellent to each other and party on, dudes. Before taking the red pill, 
Neo does a swear. What swear is it? Does he say or f**k? That is correct.